Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. It is December the 23rd as we record this one, and we wanted to get this one in right before Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to get you all set up for Santa Anita opening day on Monday. So we'll have a segment here talking about Santa Anita Monday racing. We'll go through the full card, and because I'm recording this on Friday, we'll also dip in a couple best bets for Gulfstream Park for Saturday, just in case you're catching this a little bit early, and we will finish up with our WWE Year in Review 2022 in the books. Darren Zocali and Andrew Champagne join me, and we go month by month through all the major storylines, all the big happenings, um, and wrestlers that returned, uh, important uh, wrestlers that left, and Vince McMahon no longer a part of the WWE. So everything going on in the world of wrestling in 2022 in WWE with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. But first, we have to let you know the sponsor of this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. It's presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at BTV Bets. Go give them a follow right now at BTV Bets on Twitter. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at BTV Bets. That's Better Than Dot Vegas. Let's dive into some horse racing as we get you set up for Saturday and then Santa Anita Monday. First up, it'll be Gulfstream Park. <music> Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version, and even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view, and any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. 
and you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. There's a big Stable Duel contest for opening day at Santa Anita. $3,000 in cash prizes. Remember, Stable Duel is like fantasy horse racing. You build a lineup based on a salary cap format like you've played in DFS, Daily Fantasy type stuff. So you can't just pick the favorite in every race all the way through. You really have to use some of your knowledge and your handicapping skill. Check it out and come get involved in that big game on Monday at Santa Anita. Also, a couple games on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Let's give you a few best bets for Gulfstream Saturday, Christmas Eve. And let's start in race number one with the number three, Mooncat. This is a first-time starter, a two-year-old son of Malibu Moon out of the dam Fanticola. This dam was a good one. She actually was a, was a horse who won going long on the turf. I actually remember her from being in Southern California, and she was always one that flashed ability and she was was very classy so she was a winner going along on the turf she produced a winning turf sib this barn doesn't fire a bunch with first time starters but when they do it's at a big price they're very capable they had a 30 to 1 winner going along on the turf so i'm looking at the number 3 mooncat as a major player i think mooncat is a must-use in some of your early exotics. If we get anything over 6-1, to one, we'll make a win wager on Mooncat. Let's move to race number four. Looking at the three in here, that is Mamba Wamba. This is the five-furlong turf sprint. There looks like there's a lot of speed in this stakes race. This four-year-old filly can come rolling late. If you put a line through the stakes race back in February, her form other than that is really good. And she was actually favored in that race, and she just didn't fire that day. But she's come back since, and she's represented herself very well. Mamba Wamba, second off the bench. She's going to come rolling 12-1 to 1 on the morning line, anything over yeah, about 6-1 to 1 or so. I think you know that's probably where she fits um, as far as price. And then we go to the sixth race. I'm looking at the number three. So yes, three plays on Saturday. Three, three, and three. They're all threes. Forwardly is the play in race number six. The blinkers come on for the drop in class and the cutback in distance. In the most recent race, it was a fine start, was sitting third or fourth, and then got shut out of a spot, had to back up, and was about five lengths off, chasing lone speed and a wire-to-wire winner that day. Forwardly. Much better spotted in here. This is not the strongest group in the world. I think forwardly fits very, very well. If we can get anything over seven to two, We'll make a win wager there on Forwardly. Let's transition on over and talk about Santa Anita. But before we do, I want to remind you about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava. We wish, we wish Cindy Carava a very Merry Christmas. And she's a full-service realtor. That means she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to lenders if you need help 
with the, a loan and getting pre-approved. If you're curious about your home's value, she'll do a free market analysis. She can answer any questions you might have. Just go to the website, cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. We move into Santa Anita for Monday. Now, if it sounds a little slightly off, it's because I actually recorded this as a video. And you can watch the video or actually go through the daily racing form past performances. So if you want to see visually and watch some of these race replays as I'm talking about them, you can come and follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B, or go to my YouTube page and you can check out the video along with this. But I posted the audio. We spent about 15, 20 minutes going through the Santa Anita Monday card races one through 11 for opening day. Good luck. One of the great days of the racing year is opening day at Santa Anita, day after Christmas, and it's a really nice card this year at Santa Anita. Like always, we're looking at DRF for our past performances. Daily Racing Form is the place to go. I always look at the formulator, past performance, and so if you head to DRF.com, you can purchase anything that you need, any sort of the tools, all of the, uh, the resources to get you all prepped. Let's dive into the card for Monday, and let's take a look. At race number one, we open with graded stakes races. We finish with a couple of grade ones, really strong throughout. As uh, Blitnikov, very logical, top con- top tier type player. This guy is going to sit back. He's going to launch. He's going to come running. There isn't that much early speed in this race. So the seven is a major player in here, Sumter. This is a horse who has a big chance to try to stretch out and, and steal this race on the front end. I'd imagine they're going to get aggressive with him. So one and seven, very logical players the horse that i'm looking at to you know try to key some of my exotics around is the number four time to party i think this guy's got a little versatility to him let's take a look at his last few races so we can go back to october the 16th he's a winner and then he steps up and he faces a group of stakes company let's watch this race on november the 11th where he's in the race with handy dandy who's also in here so let's look at the two handy dandy let's watch the seven time to party coming out of this very same race so time to party is the number seven in the race we're watching here and time to party was a horse who's always showed some ability from very early on um he was a good horse and now he's sort of figuring it all out and putting things together. So he has a nice start here. He's forwardly placed. He's in between horses, but going into the turn, you know, he's going to take back and he's going to settle pretty nicely in third, just behind the leaders. But he, he just kind of gets backed up into along the inside. And throughout a lot of this race, he's just buried with absolutely nowhere to go right now. He's sitting in a, a very nice spot. And you just love what you're seeing from time to party, saving ground. But as the field starts to, uh, you know, move from the back of the pack, you can see a bid from the outside, then another horse right to the outside of him. And then all of a sudden he's taken up, he's backing up and he's not getting that same sort of trip he was hoping for. He's already losing a little bit of positioning now, and it's just going to be a tough trip all the way around for a horse who ends up finishing beaten a length and a quarter and just never really gets a chance to run. So now they've slowed things down again. He would love for a a bit of room to try to launch a rally, but nowhere to go for this seven horse. And then here comes handy dandy making a three wide bid along the outside. Look at handy dandy now able to just in the clear move up and angle around again, time to party blocked buried looking for a little bit of room down there. Can he get through? Nope. 
Can't get through on the inside. Now again, trying to angle off the rail. No room in between. Look at him searching, searching. Does he have a little bit of space? Okay, now he can move through, but his momentum has been stopped. All of the others to the outside have their momentum built up, and he's only beat about a length and a quarter when it's all said and done. Following that race, this horse comes back, and on November the 27th, Joe Bravo has him towards the back of the pack, and he looks like he's going to be getting sort of a a block trip again. And then Joe just tips to the outside and flies. He moves right past the field, up to the front, and keeps going. I really like the way this horse is feeling right now. That's three consecutive good races. He has good energy. He's trending in the right direction. I think he fits well. And he doesn't have to be as far back as he was in that last race. They were going pretty quick early. He can be a little bit more tactical here. That's the number four time to party. He's eight to one on the morning line. I'm going to use him in all exotics and I'll make a win wager on him as long as he's six to one or over. I guess the wild card here is the three. I'm a gambler coming in for Mark Glatt. Pratt jumps aboard. Would be no shock. I mean, this is a horse who's won four of the last five. I like others just a little bit more, but again, he would not surprise in this race at all. A fun opener, contentious group. As we move to race number two, don't really love this race all that much. Some of these races where you have um, a couple of the, the Baffert runners, it's just a little bit difficult to kind of figure out tactics, right? Who's going to be getting the lead? What choice of running style will they select? I'm hoping the three Bletchley Park just goes. I hope they just send hard. Second start off the bench. Didn't race from April to November. The blinkers are coming off. You can relax a little bit if you get out front. Let's hope the three sends hard. Uh, Purified, you know, has three races that are all fine. The one principle wouldn't be a shock. I wasn't quite as impressed with that last effort. And then you have Palagio, who was favored last time out. And he got parked five wide going into the turn. He made a three wide move up into contention. And then he just sort of faded and was a little flat late. I would probably use three and six as my top two in here. And Purified and Princip are obviously major contenders, but nothing to really get excited about. That's what's tough about this race. You're going to have four horses who don't offer you a whole ton of value in here. Let's see if Bletchley Park can get out front, steal this thing. The third race, it's the San Gabriel. I like the way that Prince Obama is coming into this race. He just done so little wrong as of late. He got the better of Dicey Mochara, who's going to be one of his major contenders in here. And he just seems to have a, a lot of versatility. I think he should sit just behind the leaders, maybe sit in third or fourth in here, because it does look like there are a couple speeds. We have from the inside, the one, Rip City is going to go. Master of Foxhounds isn't quite as fast as a couple of the others, but he does want to be forwardly placed. I think he's going to be close up. And then you'd imagine Go On will also be forwardly placed and close up in here. And then you have Bob and Jackie who show speed and he's fresh. So in this field of seven, there could be combinations of four horses all flashing a little bit of speed. Prince Obama has that versatility and is just an excellent form right now. You just don't find bad races for him. He comes off of a good effort last time out. He turns back a little, but that shouldn't be a problem for him. He's shown um, no problem stretching his ability from a mile all the way to a mile and a half, which we saw last time out. So Prince Obama will be a single for me in some early exotics as we move to race number four. I thought the work for Yellow Brick was pretty good. You can watch some of these works on XBTV. Now, Mandela is definitely not as uh, well-known for his ability with first-time starters as you know, Baffert and some of the other barns in here might be. I do think Yellow Brick 
really does seem to have some ability of the Baffert runners. Cause there are a few in here. You have the three, the four and the seven. I kind of like the seven uh, a bit the most, the damn one, the debut. So you can click if you're looking at the formulator past performances, you can actually click and see how the damn um, was in her record. And then the siblings that she's produced. So she was a, a debut winner which showed some precocity and she won two of her first three starts and she did have some ability. And she's also um, one that has produced a couple of winners, right? So you want to see some success from the dam, some precocity. And look, one of these was a, a horse who was a winner first time out of the box. So you have the dam who wins the debut. She's produced a first time out winner. In Bear Bryan, who won the debut back in January of 2021 at Sam Houston. So we do see some early win pedigree in um, in this one. So I'm I'm thinking 5-7 for a lot of uh, the exotics for me in here, the horses that I'm going to try to key in on. But again, you know, you have both the three and the four, who I'm sure will take some of the Baffert money there. And no one else really intrigued me all that much in this spot i was trying to to get to the eight i just couldn't quite make a case for that one quite as much after uh watching some of the works let's get to the fifth race maiden special weights going a mile in here i like the three secret treasure hawker will be a major player you see joel jumping aboard for sadler um had to wait a little bit and did have a bit of trouble in that last effort but i thought uh, secret treasure also had some sneaky trouble in here let's take a look at the race for measure um, who was the number six in the replay that we're watching. So secret treasure has a fine start close up, like fifth within that top group and then decides to take back. So as not to get parked out And all in all, a pretty fine beginning for your first start on the turf and, you know, sitting in the two path going into the turn with uh, a trio in front. Pretty nice spot all in all for Secret Treasure. And then all of a sudden, you'll notice the horse to the outside doesn't continue up. And so Secret Treasure gets stuck right in between horses. And he's always in a bad spot where he's just sort of sort of stuck in there. There's horses on both sides of him. And then one in front of him is kind of backing up. So he can't even really shoot in the middle and try to get out in front. So he's just sort of waiting, waiting, waiting at the mercy of the race. And he he cannot shift to the outside of a horse who has him pinned in. And unfortunately, he just never really gets a shot to run. Um, he, he continues to try to move up into space. And it's it's a little bit unlucky. And by the time he tries to tip out, there's already horses that are making their move from the back. So he doesn't have the ability to tip to the outside. So again, he just continues to get pinned in. He's like looking around for room. He's trying to shift. And every time it just is really bad racing luck because horses just keep kind of falling right in front of him. And uh, he had to shift all around. He's only beaten about three lengths when it's all said and done. I thought Secret Treasure was a, a bit sneaky and should take a step forward in here with Frankie Dettori jumping aboard. Yeah, he'll be out riding at Santa Anita for a bit. He has a big mount a little later on in the card in the uh, the graded stakes than the San Antonio. So sure a lot of people will spread out in this one. Secret Treasure definitely on my tickets. I'll make a win wager on him if he's eight to one or over. Hawker's a player. You know, both the four and the five, they'll get on a bunch of tickets. Won't be a shock to see either of them run really well in here. 
The nine Zwan Tanejo is also a price I'll probably throw in. I think I thought that was a fine debut to set this horse up to stretch out. Blinkers come off for the uh, the second start. Even Smart Code is one who you can make a case for a second time on the turf. So a lot of directions to go. I think you want to demand value in here. That's why I want to make sure I get at least eight to one or so on Secret Treasure, and I'll jump into win. In the sixth race, it's the San Antonio. It's the grade two San Antonio, mile and a 16th for the older horses here. The heavy favorite will uh, will be Country Grammar. Country Grammar comes in off of three consecutive runner-up efforts since winning the Dubai World Cup back in March. And Country Grammar was a runner-up behind Flightline in the Pacific Classic. Then he lost to Defunded. Most recently, uh, last time we saw him, that was back in October. So Country Grammar is the horse to beat. I think if you're trying to bet this race or if you're trying to beat Country Grammar, the horses that I would look to would be the two inside horses, mainly Stiletto Boy. I think this is a good spot for Stiletto Boy. He could probably sit a really nice trip in here, maybe sit third, because the one Hopkins is going to go, and the three Breakfast Ride is probably going to be really close up. And I'd imagine Stiletto Boy could carve out a nice trip maybe right behind him if uh if you know that's the what they so choose and he's pretty classy he's faced some tough horses over the last couple years and this is one of the trips that is best where i think he'll have just a little bit more punch going shorter so stiletto boy would be the the play for me in here if he's like four to one or so i could see hopkins trying to catch a flyer in here and um yeah country grammars who they'll all have to beat short field the uh the interest, the intriguing horse for me would be Stiletto Boy. If you can get some a little bit of value around four to one or so, let's move to the seventh race. We'll head downhill, the turf course. The one Flame Magoon will be on a lot of tickets for me. Some inside tracking speed. I think from the inside they'll be forced a little bit, but I think this guy, this gal, fits very well in this spot. Also, I've always been a fan of the number seven Eleuthera, who has shown some tactical speed going long on the turf. And I think cutting back now to the six and a half down the hill will suit her very well. She comes out of a couple live races in back-to-back and she beat a horse named Rhea Moon, who we're going to see in just a moment back in March. And that one has become very, very sharp. Big Beauty will take a a bunch of money in here. And then the other one to the uh, outside is the 11 True Patriot, who I actually think cutting back, she has a little, a nice little burst in her. And this should play nicely to her. She can just kind of launch that late run as they turn for home. I think she'll come from the back and come flying late. Let's move to the eighth race on the 11 race card. It's the grade one La Brea, three-year-old filly sprinting seven furlongs on the dirt. You have the one under the stars, Baffert trainee. You have the three, Ganadora Baffert trainee. You have the four, Midnight Memories Baffert trainee. The six fun to dream, and they're all players. None of them would be a shock in here. If you're looking to go against any of those, and and one horse that I will be using in a lot of my exotics is Awake at Midnight. I think the sprint distance is is where she's best. She's going to cut back. She can sit off from the outside, and it'll give her some options. Her two victories in her career are at six furlongs and six and a half, and her career best buyer actually came at seven furlongs. So... I'm expecting her to run well in here. She's defeated under the stars and run well against that one before. We saw her hold her own against Fun to Dream a couple starts back, and she wasn't completely dismissed against Midnight Memories on October the 2nd. And I think 
this is the better trip for awake at midnight, cutting back to the sprint. So she should be able to, you know, have the opportunity to turn the tables on that one at a different distance. Let's give the eight a look in here at anything around like six to one or so. She's eight to one on the morning line. We use the two hot peppers and the four midnight memories, probably two, four and eight for me in a lot of exotics. Nothing too creative in the ninth race here. Uh, ballet dancing will be very logical. We'll take a lot of money coming off of a, a troubled trip. Last time out, the blinkers come on for this gal who's been a little bit unlucky. She has had some trouble and she is due for a better, smoother journey. The six horse also is one that I'm expecting to run a lot better in here. Second start off the bench, putting two together, coming out of a productive race and did have a little bit of trouble in that one as well. And the nine, not a win machine. She could sit a pretty nice trip in here. Maybe she can get the jump on some of the deeper closers and just fall into a good spot. She's run into some sharp horses as of late, like School Dance and Rhea Moon. So I'm going to give Glenn All uh, a look also. We'll throw her into some late exotics. So I'll have three, six, and nine in a lot of places in that ninth race. Let's move to the tenth race. It's the grade one Malibu, seven furlongs. The one Forbidden Kingdom will be flashing some real good speed from the inside, but there is... Some other speed in here too, like Messier. He's not quite as quick, but I think he's going to be forwardly placed. Apprehend might get caught kind of in between. I'm not really sure what trip to expect for him. Nakatomi will try to sit a little bit, and Hoist the Gold will try to launch from way, way out of it. Taiba's the class, and he's the horse to beat in here. Perfect flight will press a bit. Strava will. Probably seen a pretty good trip coming off a, a good effort in the slop last time out. The nine straight no chaser will be flying early. And so I think with the inside speed and the outside speed, that'll make it a very, very contested pace. Taiba's the horse to beat. The one that intrigues me a little bit is hoist the gold with Joel jumping aboard. Seven furlongs should fit him really, really well. He was behind Gunite and elite power in some of his recent races. Like he's been in some good good races behind some nice horses that probably just had a little more speed in those races and were able to get the jump based on their trips in here if he sits the type of trip he he had on november 21st where they just take him way back and launch he should come running joel is one of the best finishers in the game i think hoist the gold comes flying late i will be using him in late pick fours pick fives in some of the uh the multi-race exotics let's finish up with the grade one american oaks a race that has seven last out winners, a sharp field lining up for this one. And one of the sharpest is Rhea Moon, who has won two in a row, has won three of four. And she got in a little bit of crowding early on, but she just really nicely backed out of a tight spot, sat eighth, but she was only in like a about three to a five range off spot. And when asked, she just tipped to the outside and moved in contention and just blew right by was very good. She's in awesome form right now and she keeps moving forward and she should save all the ground from the inside. Sparkle Blue, the two, that one is a player, no doubt about it. The five, Bell Street, uh, Bridie is going to take a bunch of money. She sat a really nice trip. Kind of a soft spot though when she won in that race and I've really no knocks on her at all. I just like one or two others at their price better but she's in the mix for me. Um, I'm not quite as um, interested in the six miss on scene who I actually played last year in the breeders cup juvenile Phillies turf. I haven't been all that intrigued by her year this year overall. And I think she may get overbet a tad skims will be 
in the mix for me all over the place. It's a good spot for Skims, who ships out here for Suge. The nine uh, is also one that will take a bunch of money. I'd imagine Solomoff or Chad Brown and Pratt. They've won three out of four. So another really fun, contentious group on what looks like a good card opening day at Santa Anita. 11 race card, a couple grade ones to finish things off. Anytime you need help playing the races at Santa Anita, come give us a follow at It's Me, Gino B on Twitter. Or check out That's What G Said podcast because we will have some coverage of Santa Anita racing every day of the Santa Anita meet that opens up on Monday, December the 26th. Best of luck. Anytime you need help playing the races, head to drf.com. Good luck to everybody on opening day at Santa Anita. Remember, we'll be here with you providing best bets. Some days pick fives or pick fours. Other days we'll go through full cards, whatever really jumps out to us. But we'll always be talking some Santa Anita and trying to find ways to make you some money and, and share the information that, uh, that we've come across through our research and handicapping. Let's finish up with the WWE Year in Review. Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali join me to talk about everything that happened in WWE 2022. Oh, yeah. Oh, wrestling rewatch with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. <laughs> 2022 is almost in the books. We're recording this on December the 20th, 2022, and this is about the time of the year now for any sport that you follow, any sort of genre that you're interested in, you're going to start getting those best of shows. So we decided to dip our toe in the pool here on That's What G Said with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali, part of our old wrestling rewatch crew. We'll take a look back at the year that was in 2022. We'll focus mainly on the WWE main roster because if we tried to do this for WWE, NXT, AEW, it would be, you know, a a few different shows. There is so much going on in the main roster alone. And Darren, not only is it a lot of different pay-per-views, storylines, good matches to talk about, but we had possibly the biggest story in wrestling, I mean, up there all-time wrestling stories. Vince McMahon, the guy who basically created what we know as modern wrestling today from the WWE, right? He was one of the first guys to take it nationally and really have this global company. And we always joked about how the guy will never step down. He's at work all day. This is all he knows. He didn't have a life. But there was some scandal. We really don't even know everything that happened. It's still sort of being investigated, but Vince McMahon stepped down from the WWE this year. And by all reports, he's actually not in the buildings. He's not still there running the show. He is truly not there. We can actually see some of the fingerprints of Triple H now on the main roster. Did you ever think we would see this? I mean, at, at some point, obviously, yes. I, I, I thought he would have you know, resigned on his own accord. I I didn't expect a, a scandal to necessarily be the thing that would have taken him down. And perhaps that was just some naivety on my part, because it's not like Vince McMahon, you know, has the, the cleanest background of yeah. any CEO of a company out there. But, uh, you know, especially when you take a look at, uh, at times what the product of WWE has been. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was bizarre to say the least. The, the weird thing is, you know, it, it's so weird how American business works. You know, the guy, uh, well, his father founded the company, but the guy who essentially his family founded the company, um, you know, basically probably got voted out by the board of directors, but mm-hmm. he's still the number one shareholder of yes. WWE. Yeah. So he still owns more WWE stock than anybody in the world. So 
he does still have close ties to the company, uh, even if he's not necessarily involved with the the creative elements of it. But I mean, there's you know there are some nasty allegations of sexual assault and and even uh, you know one that uh, claimed that Vince McMahon raped her. Uh, in a in a limousine back in 1992, and I think is suing him for almost like 12 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so there there's a lot of bad stuff going on, um, but it's just you know what it is, you know. And obviously, there's a lot of real world, real life stuff in here. But when you talk about like WWE and wrestling, there's always that like part of it where it's like, well you know what part of like wrestling nonsense is going to creep into this at some mm-hmm. point like yep. you know when is he just going to show up like on a show somewhere and, and it's something... part of a story yeah like you you never you just never know like every time something happens in wrestling even if it is completely a hundred percent legitimate and this obviously is but you always wonder okay well what are they going to do about it? Like, mm-hmm. what, are they going to make it into a story? Is he going to just sit on the sidelines for a couple of years and just show up again at some point after, you know, things died down? There was some stories recently that said that he regretted stepping down, that he was thinking about coming back, that he took bad advice. And he thinks that if he would have just stuck it out, <laughs> it would have blown over. It's like just me. it's just like unbelievable. How, like it's very much like succession. You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They, I've yeah. heard a couple of people compare it to that. Andrew, um, y- yeah, you I think shared some of the uh, the one of the links not long ago that said there were some rumors about Vince wanting to come back. Uh, I I bet you're not all that surprised to hear something like that. I'm sure he does want to come back. It's the old adage about football coaches. There are times where they get to a point in their health where the only thing worse for them than coaching full time is not coaching full-time. You look at guys like Bear Bryant, who died right after he stopped coaching. Joe Paterno didn't last long after he got forced out at Penn State. It's one of those things where when something has been a part of your life for that long, of course you want to try to stick it out as long as you can. Damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. That was never going to be an option here. The allegations are what they are. We don't know everything. Nobody knows anything at this point, but... It's one of those things where we're going to go through a lot of big stories from this year. If I had told you guys that Stone Cold Steve Austin returning to main event WrestleMania wouldn't even be close to the biggest story in wrestling in 2022, you guys would have looked at me like I had nine heads. And that's exactly what happened here. And, And it actually was successful, too. Stone Cold returning. It was we'll great. Get there. It was everything it could have been. They it, maximized it, that. Absolutely. It wasn't even like a swing and a miss. So this was, anytime this happened, this was always going to be the lead story. And we've seen a transfer of power. And I think, Darren, it's still a little bit early, you know, to to maybe judge Triple H based on what he's done because it kind of happened quickly. Like you said, it, it wasn't this planned transfer of power from Vince to Triple H like they had said okay Vince is going to be leaving at the end of the year it sort of was okay there's a lot of stuff happening Vince probably has to step down now Triple H is going to be in charge keep in mind Triple H was just coming off of a bunch of health issues himself too so he probably he wasn't necessarily even as much in the building like he had been in years prior but we have seen him bring in some of his 
personal favorites from NXT. He's brought back some people that were released before, and he does have a different view of wrestling and a different mindset than Vince did. So I think this will be now where we sit moving forward. This will kind of be his first real chance to have a year from the start with the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, and book things the way that he sees. Yeah, I think the thing that that Triple H really is going to have to face and deal with also is that he came out guns blazing. Like, the the month or two after he Mm -hmm. took over, there was really a lot of positive feedback and positive reviews about what he was doing. The people that he was bringing back that were showing up, the stories that were taking place, uh, a lot of things that he was doing right. And, you know, when, when you, I won't say it's a consensus, but when you come into a role and there are some obvious things to fix and you do them right away, you're going to get a lot of praise for it. And it's going to make the product look really good in the short term. The, the trick is, though, can you sustain that going forward? Can you keep the ship steering in the right direction? Can you not succumb to the pressures of, well, this is what Fox wants, and this is what Peacock wants, and Mm -hmm. NBC wants, and this is what the shareholders want? Can you You do something quick to to pop a rating versus for the storyline or something like that? Can you you keep your creative integrity moving forward for the long term uh, and and avoid uh, or ignore some of the voices that may be shouting at you to do different things? that's the real trick of the trade when it comes to running a business like that. And it's going to be interesting to see over the next 12 to 18 to 24 months, if triple H is able to sustain that. Now, look, uh, not everything that he's done is fantastic. I I certainly think the product is markedly better. uh, And he's certainly gotten off to a good start in the first four or five months of this. And 2023 will certainly be a large part about, what direction did Triple H take WWE creative and was it a change for the better? And uh, I think, you know, we all hope and, and think it will be, but that, that's going to be the challenge that he faces. Andrew, what's some of your early feedback? Too early to tell, but I'm going to bring up something that you guys are going to laugh and somewhat roll your eyes at. In the words of Triple H's old running buddy, Kevin Nash, only two things matter in this business, the money and the miles. Triple H brought back a lot of people. It's starting to come out that he's a little disappointed in a couple of them. Apparently, if you subscribe to the views that have been put out there by, I think that might've been a Meltzer story. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it was, it was somebody that Mm -hmm. wasn't a total quack. Um, He brought back a lot of guys and it was good to see the people he brought back in that capacity because a couple of them really got their legs cut out from under them. The stuff with Strowman getting released when he was made no sense, even as it was happening. Finally comes back a year and a half later. He's a WWE guy. He's supposed to be there. Great to see Johnny Gargano back. That's awesome. Candice LeRae as well. That was really cool. Can they draw money? What happens when Cody Rhodes comes back? We'll get to him. How do you use Roman Reigns at the two-night WrestleMania down in SoFi? What do you do with the two title belts? There's a lot that's still very hazy moving forward. Now, is the product more watchable than it was six, eight months ago? Absolutely. Triple H coming in seemed like it gave everybody a shot in the Mm -hmm. arm. And I know we're talking about a lot of main roster stuff. 
I like the fact that NXT seems closer to the original NXT than NXT 2.0, whatever. And you that hear was. it mentioned, it seems like it's it's part of the same world, right? It's People can better. step step forward from NXT up to the main roster. And we've actually seen some guys go back to NXT and it's been okay. And some some guys that may have been floundering and some gals like a Mandy Rose, who we, we can talk about in a minute also, she had an incredible run. On NXT over the last year after heading back down there It helped someone Apollo Crews has been more relevant We just saw the New Day get sent down there Dolph Ziggler too He had that good little run at the beginning of the year with Braun That's a great point also So it it does nice to know that These are not two separate worlds And that Triple H knows these wrestlers He's working with Shawn Michaels And talking with him about them Setting up their creative And so the bridge from the main roster to NXT Is not quite as big as it used to be as um, yeah, let's get set and head through the year of 2022 and talk about some of the big important things along the way. First up, it was the year of Roman Reigns and the Big Reign. Roman Reigns is still your champ, and now he is the undisputed champ. He holds both title belts. He has been the champion for 842 days, and in in January we had a little bit of a scare. DZ. They had the day one pay-per-view last year. They're not going to have it in 2023. And they had to make uh, a change and call an audible because on the day of the show, Roman Reigns tested positive for COVID. So they had to bring in Brock Lesnar and add him to the Raw WWE Championship match. And they changed things up a little bit. And this did two things. It was kind of weird the first couple months of the year because they ended up putting this belt on Brock in order to to Roman so he could win both of them But what it did do was It it hurt the run of Big E Who got the belt at the end of last year And I think people were excited for Big E He was, He's been a fan favorite He's one of the more beloved by everyone in Like behind the scenes The locker room likes him A lot of the fans like him But we see this problem with WWE quite a bit I can remember it happened with Daniel Bryan after his win And you know he, he got hurt but after a lot of baby faces win the title, they don't really know what to do with them after. Yeah, they um they have not had a good track record of what do we do with baby faces with belts for for quite a while. Uh and they get stale very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think oh, that is the um that is the predominant reason why we have seen up until Roman Reigns so many title changes compared to what we used to see years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, when you put a belt, obviously, on a Hulk Hogan or a Macho Man or an Ultimate Warrior or a Bret Hart or an Undertaker, they didn't get stale for the most part. I mean, maybe you can make an argument that at the end of eight, nine months, maybe they did or a year they did. But, you know, 2016 WWE was was moving belts around left and right like like you couldn't even keep up with it. Um, certainly that there has been a change to that with Roman Reigns, um, who. Uh, is finally the guy that he was supposed to be the entire time. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, CM Punk um, put out a little video or got interviewed, I should say, a couple days ago. Number one, he referred to Roman Reigns as the one thing that WWE is doing right. Typical CM Punk nonsense. Right. Yeah, I was going to say. There's more than one thing that WWE is doing. But it does show you that even he, who doesn't want to say very much positive about them, will still give Roman Reigns a little tip of the hat. No, he did, but but, but he couldn't do it without taking the shot. (laughs) And the shot shot that he took was he said, yeah, this is great, 
and and he's the best thing that they have going. But in typical WWE fashion, it's five years after it was supposed to happen. You know, so once again, <laughs> like he props him up, but there's got to be a caveat to it. Yeah. Now, I would counter that. And 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 I think it's an important point to the Roman Reigns story beyond the CM Punk element where you don't necessarily know if you could get this version of Roman Reigns without everything that has transpired. Uh, I can I, I don't certainly think so. make I could certainly make the argument that the fan frustration with the character and the uh, polarization that he has presented to the crowd and you know, the John Cena-esque back and forth that the crowd has basically gone with him, seemingly depending on what story he was in and who he'd be in the ring with. Without all of that tra transpiring for the last five, six years prior to this, I don't necessarily know if this exact version of Roman Reigns exists. So maybe we had to go through, you know, the 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 tall trees uh, in order to get, you know, to, to the, the cascading waterfall here. And, and I think that's, that's probably what's happened. Um, and I, I mean, you can make it, I don't think you can make an argument, but I, I think it's without saying that this, this period of Roman reigns for the last now seemingly two plus years is, is one of the greatest storyline runs that we've ever seen in the company. And I don't think that's an overstatement. No, not at all. And Andrew, I, I don't disagree with what Darren's saying. Sometimes it's the road that you travel to get there. And so, you know, this year it's been a great year for Roman. I mean, looking at some of the the matches of the year, if you go to some of the different websites that rate things just based on star ratings, because that's sort of, it's not all about star ratings, but when I'm looking at some of the matches of the year, I would look at those to kind of get, get my attention. And we had Roman Reigns with like four to four and a half star matches with Riddle, Brock, Drew and Logan Paul Like all of his major feuds He's kind of become that guy John Cena is a perfect example And the thing Andrew is You can't really You can't plan on getting a response Like Roman gets or like Cena gets You can you can maybe try But that comes sort of naturally Right? You either have it or you don't And people knew Roman had it Right away down to when he was in developmental, they plucked him, they put him in the shield. One of the great little bits of trivia is Roman was not supposed to be the third guy in the shield. That was supposed to be the artist formerly known as Cassius Ono, a.k.a. Chris Hero. There was a change that was made and it wound up being Roman. Talk about the differences you wind up seeing if that had gone the other way, right? Because let me say, I like Cassius Ono a lot. He's a great, great talent. He ain't but it Roman. just would it, it's not the same. It wouldn't have been the same or no. anything close to it. Now, here's the thing. And this is one of those things where we're not going to know the answer to this for another several months, maybe even not at the end of next year. Part of every story is the end. What's the end point here? Mm -hmm. Credit to Roman for having the run that he's been having. And also, by the way, credit to his agent, not Paul Heyman, his actual business agent, for negotiating a contract for many, many, many less dates and a whole bunch of money. Anytime you can get the bag, get the bag, kids. But what's the end goal? Who are they building up to be the guy that beats the guy? And there are a couple of potential things you can do here. 
If you plan on doing Roman against the rock, do you put the rock over? I don't think you do. No. If you plan on doing Roman against Cody, when Cody is ready to come back, do you put Cody over? Eh, could sort of see that. And then over the last six months, you have the missing ingredient in the bloodline, the honorary oos, Sami Zayn, and you can see they're going to turn on him at some point. It's going to be bad. They're going to stick the knife in his back and twist it, and it's going to be just the most painful thing you could ever see. And if that's the case, and Sammy gets to be the underdog babyface that tore up NXT when he first signed with WWE, that could be a lot of fun too. But is Sammy that kind of draw? There's not a lot of people that have been allowed to break that glass ceiling and be that kind of needle moving draw. And yes, that was exactly the point I was trying to make. If you remember that Roman Reigns shirt, mm-hmm. who do you elevate to that level? It's a great question and it's a great problem to have, but you have to think that that's going to be top of mind as we enter 2023. DZ, so a couple of things I was just going to say. So in the other, one other problem with, with Sammy is, is he still physically capable of, of carrying those belts you know, putting forth the kind of matches that you would expect. Because look, I mean, Sammy's had a, a slew of physical issues. Horrible since. luck, too. He got yes. brought up. He did the open challenge with Cena. And at that point, at that precise point, his body just decided, no, nah, I'm good. Because yeah, exactly. Sammy so, would be the guy, Darren, if if this rain wasn't that long of a rain. He, if it if it was like a normal champion that was just yeah. having a regular reign and and this w- and Sammy was coming up like he is right now, I would say one hundred percent you give it to Sammy, yep. you let him go, and you give him a little bit of a run. But yep. I I get where Andrew's coming from. Like, he, he, let's talk. Like, okay, we've got Sammy, we've got Cody. The only other only other guy that's worth mentioning, even though I don't think it would be him, is Seth who has gotten no, over. You can't it's, go it's not going to be him. Again. No, it's not going to yeah. be him. But he's the only guy who's at least mentioned Roman, who who is on the main roster over the last few years, been Roman's B to to the A. He has at least been up there, but he's not, he's not the guy to do it at this point when you've got the whole bloodline storyline and everything. There's another one. Who's that one? It's really unfortunate that we're still at this point. Brock... I think they're I think they're done there. I think they're done there Promise? for now. Please, pretty <laughs> yeah. please. Yeah, I well, mean there's, unless there's in, one, unless there's, a injury or something, but go ahead, DZ. No, there's there's one other element to this that I that I think is important to, to point out. Roman is also not the quintessential heel here who the crowd is just dying That's a great point. for the upstart baby face to dethrone. That's a very good point. Roman is a hybrid heel. He is a heel that the crowd loves for the most part. I'm sure there are people in the crowd that are sick of him. But when you go to a, I'm, uh, for example, I was, at, I was at SummerSlam in Nashville. That crowd, when his music hit, 70% of them jumped out of their seat and put the one finger in the air. And that is not a crowd reaction to a heel champion. So even though his character is a bona fide heel, he is a heel that the crowd loves. So you need to choose very carefully 
if you're going to have a baby face go over him, that it is the right baby face. Mm -hmm. Because if it is not, the crowd is then going to treat him like they treated Roman when you tried to make him the baby face. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So where we stand right now, it'll be very interesting because we'll do a – in about a month or so, we'll do one of those that we did last year, that Royal Rumble roundtable, where we kind of go through all the listed participants and maybe make a few guesses. But that was day one, the first show of the year. By, um, by the way, Cody returning at the Royal Rumble is going to be like the most obvious right? Royal Rumble return, return in the of, history in of the all, history of Royal Rumble of all time. I know. Like, there's no like, there's no chance that he doesn't come out at like number twenty-seven or something. Right. Unless the there's a gigantic setback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think and so. I, I've been but. hearing everything's been positive for him oh, and yeah. that he's been really pretty, pretty good on the health front moving forward. And but that's another question to ask, too, right, which is very valid to ask Cody coming in last year. If he had continued on the trend, I might have been OK with him beating Roman. But he, whether or not it was his fault when an injury interrupts your momentum like that. Yeah, and, you got to get it back. Right. And, and, and by Sam's, the way, and yeah, and, yeah. and to that to that point, see, this is where. That, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to mention this. This is where we will see Triple H versus Vince. What right? Trip because if this was Vince, Cody comes back in the Royal Rumble, he wins the Royal Rumble, he beats Roman at WrestleMania, signed, sealed, delivered. But Triple H, can he make Cody the old school baby face that is chasing and chasing and chasing and keeps getting screwed time and time and time again to the point where you do it enough that the that the crowd is enough behind Cody that either at a SummerSlam or some other big event down the line you can pull that trigger I think if you're gonna go if you're gonna decide that Cody is eventually gonna be the guy to go over it it can't be it can't happen over two months no You, you need to build that story build his momentum and you need to book him like you used to book a baby face in 1990 who is chasing, 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 chasing. And finally at long last is able to conquer what was unconquerable. The day one show led us to the Royal rumble. And then at the Royal rumble, it's not as if the, the rumbles were terrible rumbles. No, they were terrible. They, they, they were, were bad, but, but they were just a weight like, you know, because entering work in with with the the level of talent that we have nowadays, very rarely is the in ring just going to be like unwatchable. But Andrew, what I don't like as a fan of wrestling, there are a couple things that feel like for the Royal Rumble and for a Money in the Bank, for example, you don't need to to use that for certain people. A Brock Lesnar or a Ronda Rousey does not need to win the Royal Rumble in order to get placed into a title match at any point at any time. We just joked about how Brock could get the phone call tomorrow for the main event of WrestleMania, and the same could be said for Ronda. So it just feels like it's a little disappointing for us as fans when we watch, we get all excited for the Royal Rumble, which every year is my personal favorite, and I think a lot of people's, like, even in front of WrestleMania, and and then Ronda comes in and wins, and Brock comes in and wins, and neither one of them have these in unbelievable runs. Ronda's number 28 when she comes in. She lasts for 10 minutes. Brock Lesnar comes in. He's in there for two minutes before winning the thing. It's a little bit flat. 
So before we get going, I would just like to point out for those of you that may have a long memory about this stuff, I've said this a couple of times. The 2022 Royal Rumble was the site of one of the all-time screw jobs in the history of gambling. Uh, a little behind-the-scenes note here. Uh, our fearless leader, Gino Bacola, runs a pool for the Royal Rumble, where you send a couple of bucks and you wind up getting three <laughs> spots in each Rumble. And so, okay, so I sent that in. And it's a lot of fun most years because you've got a reason to be emotionally invested in who comes out next. In the Women's Royal Rumble, I wound up with Melina, Cameron from the Funkadactyls, and Ivory. It just, why? Why? At that point, just take the 10 bucks and set it on fire. And as if that couldn't get any worse. As Very if mad about $10. I know. As, if, <laughs> as if this couldn't get any worse, guys. Any worse. In the Men's Royal Rumble, my first entrant, Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, seriously, what the like... hell? I, if there's a gambling god out there, I sweep both Rumbles in a month. But anyway, going back to a slightly more serious topic here, only slightly, because we're still talking about wrestling after all. Mm-hmm. WWE's product was not in a good place at the start of the year. There no, the were energy, not, the no. vibe was very, like in the wrestling world, AEW had a lot of positive mojo at this point, it did. right? It and did. WWE really didn't. No, and that changed came, in a hurry. Yeah, yeah. That, that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, that really got out of hand. I think, I think Brick killed the guy with a went in a, fast, went in a fast direction to an ugly place. Yep. <laughs> so you wind up going into the Royal Rumble, and there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm about the product because they hadn't done a terrific job of building people up, either in the men's Royal Rumble or the women's Royal That's Rumble. That's a great point. We we and, didn't even know. We were like, what's happening with big people like Big E? We we're like, is he even got a shot? What's going on? There there didn't feel like legitimate. I think Drew was coming back from a an injury, right? Drew yes, showed up as a surprise. Yeah. Other than that. You're that's a great point, Andrew. There yeah. were not very many strong built contenders heading in. No, there were not. And when you get that and you combine it with the way both rumbles were booked, which is someone comes out, gets a couple of moves, goes in the corner, repeat. It, the two rumble matches were awful. Uh, you yeah. were a lot kinder than I was. Well, and, and remember the stuff happened with Shane. Remember, apparently Shane I was, was, I was getting to that. There we go. So, yeah. Their big idea, and by their big idea, I mean Shane McMahon's big idea, was for Shane to come out as a surprise entrant late in the Rumble and have a really long run. I understand why they brought Shane back several years ago. He had the match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania. That wasn't my cup of tea, but we got to see Shane fly off the top of a cage, and that was fine. Whatever. Everything after that is zero for me. In, in my book, there's just absolutely no rhyme or reason to bring the guy back. And it was so bad backstage that night that Shane has not been seen in any capacity since that match. The stories are incredibly toxic. It's not good. I understand why they had Brock Lesnar win the Rumble, especially given the plans at day one and how they wound up getting shifted around. They made the best of a bad situation there, and that's fine. You can't fix that. But the best Royal Rumbles have at least 
eight or 10 people who you can see either winning or having a deep run or that you can get behind. These Royal Rumbles had three or four, maybe. And that just made for an, an event that wasn't fun even before the gambling screw job of the century that I outlined. <laughs> yeah, DZ, what the rumbles weren't great. One thing I want I wanted to at least mention from this show, freaking Maurice was awesome in that mixed tag match. Remember how good yeah, she looked with a yeah. couple like fantastic moves there? And then we had the fun Seth Roman match that ended in a DQ when uh, when the crowd started, you know, really having a fun having a fun time with those two guys. And the match was very, very good between the two of them. So uh, what what kind of stuff did you remember coming off of the rumble? Yeah, I, I, to to Andrew's point, you know, um, you get why they did what they did. Um, I mean, Ronda Rousey, you know, coming back was the worst kept secret, uh, you know, that, that you could possibly have, and um, the booking was was really poor. You know, they um, Bianca Belair, I remember had had a good rumble and a nice and a nice long run again. You know, you knew who the final group was going to be, you know, with Charlotte and Shayna and, you know, Belair and Ronda. I mean, we we kind of all knew that. And on the men's side, kind of went back down to Drew, Brock, Well, and, and Shane being in the last three or whatever was just stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember being really disappointed because Royal Rumble night yeah, is I think we all my, are. Favorite, my favorite night of the year when it comes to wrestling. And, and I remember mm-hmm. after that show, it was just kind of like, Oh, yeah, it was it felt like a waste of four hour, four or yeah. five hours, not because of the quality of the in ring work, but just because yeah. of the the direction we were heading with the yeah. stories. And we're like, oh, so now we're on the road to WrestleMania with Brock and Ronda again. Yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. Just, yeah. And, and the one the one thing I'll say right now is we're about as we record this about five and a half weeks or so out from next year's Royal Rumble. And, uh, you know, the obvious thing would be a Cody return and a win, but short of that, I, I really don't know what they're going to do anywhere. Uh, I think they have they have a ton of options. I I, I think if the Royal Rumble were today, I, I mean, I, there, there's no standout that I think has to win, and I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, if they can continue down that path and and book it correctly, I certainly think that the 2023 edition is going to be you know far better than last year's. It yeah, can't they- get much worse. <laughs> no, if you had a final four of something along the lines with like, so like you had solo in there, you know, in like the final four or five with, with Sammy probably. And then you throw in like a Cody, you throw in like an edge and like a Seth, you know, you could have us thinking, Oh, you know what? All of them have legitimate claims to winning this thing. There, there are some wide open, uh, you know, wide open possibilities, We'll see what happens this year in the Royal Rumble. As we moved along through 2022, we were getting ready for WrestleMania, and we had the Elimination Chamber. We had Brock Lesnar beating Lashley, AJ, Austin Theory, Riddle, and Seth freaking Rollins. He just destroyed Austin Theory yeah. in, in there. Becky had a fun match against Lita which uh, for the Raw Women's Championship, which was kind of like an in-between for her to take the place uh, like kind of placeholder feud as her main feud was going to be with Bianca Belair and Bianca won the women's elimination chamber match there. We got another Goldberg sighting, which I know got Andrew very happy as Roman Reigns beat Goldberg um, there. And uh, what else did we have? Anything that jumped out? No, not much. Madcap Moss and Drew McIntyre had a feud with Happy Corbin for a few months in the early part of the year that just oh, yeah. dragged on and dragged on and dragged on. And uh, this was, 
This was really the way for them to get Bianca ready because one thing they did do a really nice job of DZ. They told almost a perfect story with Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch, and they very rarely tell the story so well where Bianca gets beat when Becky makes her return, and then there was the long, slow burn for Bianca to get all the way back. She didn't even win the Rumble, but she won the Elimination Chamber. She gets her win at WrestleMania over Becky in a fantastic match, which was one of the best matches um, on the two nights and one of the best women's matches of the year. Yeah, no, it, it was the uh, the Elimination Chamber was an awesome match there for Bianca, no question about it. Um, you know, set things up very well. You know, I mean, this pay per view will for me. Every remember, we're really going to watch Roman and Goldberg. Like, I know, like really, like coming off of the Royal Rumble. Like I, I just remember like that just gnawing at me. But yeah, the Bianca match was really good. Um, the Becky Lynch match, I, I really delivered as well. Obviously, the Men's Elimination Chamber match was a lot of fun. Um, so this, with with a couple of exceptions of having to see Goldberg and, and things like that, uh, this pay-per-view, I won't say it righted the ship of the Royal Rumble per se, but it certainly changed the trajectory to a more positive place. Um, mm-hmm. and, you felt uh, better and about where couple, Bianca felt, was heading now. Better, yeah, and, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Going into Mania, you felt a little bit better about things, and, and uh, they opened up some new possibilities. And you got a couple of really fun matches in this show as well. Anything that really stood out to you from the Elimination Chamber, Andrew? Remember what I mentioned about how WWE didn't let a whole bunch of people get up to that tippy-top level where they could be seen as viable challengers? Well, here we have Goldberg getting dragged out of the mothballs because there was (laughs) nobody else WWE could go to as a B-show opponent for Roman leading into WrestleMania. Byron Saxton, leading up to this match, noted that Goldberg won his first world title from Hulk Hogan almost 25 years before the match with Roman at Elimination Chamber. Go away with that. I it, it, look, we, we, we talked a lot about Goldberg on this show, mainly because I like bringing him up to get a rise out of the Brett guys. But. He had no business being out there in this particular match. I He's not a draw anymore. He's a special attraction that you bring in and say, oh, okay, cool. You don't put, oh, okay, cool, guys, against the biggest draw in the company. You just don't do it. Now we move into WrestleMania, and WrestleMania was on two nights. And I want to start with you, Andrew, because you have kind of been uh, – you have been for a while singing the tune that night one of WrestleMania was one of the most fun nights of wrestling and most fun shows possible. And I so much agree with you. I just remember on, um, I was out at a bachelor party that weekend. Um, and the my buddy Justin, whose bachelor party it was, he's a wrestling fan. But we're in Dallas, but we're not in at Dallas, WrestleMania. Not, <laughs> not at WrestleMania. In Dallas, not at WrestleMania. He's a wrestling fan. There's like one or two others of the group of like eight guys that were there that are wrestling fans, but the bulk of them are not. And we were out at a bar watching because it was also the the final four weekend of the college basketball that weekend. We're watching stuff, everything, and I've got it on my phone as we were moving from bar to bar. And towards the end of the show, like when Stone Cold comes out for the main event, and even you know Cody Rhodes making his return. These guys that don't like wrestling were all sitting down and we were all watching it on my phone and everybody was pumped up and they were cheering. And Andrew, it was a really cool experience that I'll never forget. And wrestling 
sometimes can be fun, can be simple. Throughout night one, there wasn't much bad. We had a surprise return from Cody. We got to see Stone Cold come back in the main event and go for like 14 minutes. Charlotte Ronda had an okay match, but Becky Bianca had a fantastic women's match there. And then Logan Paul shows up and and has an incredible celebrity performance. That night checked a lot of boxes. It did. There are a lot of times where being a wrestling fan is hard. It's, you know, we've all been through situations where we're watching a show for the old wrestling rewatch and one of our better halves walks into the room and looks disgusted at the television and turns to us and goes, what the hell are you watching? Hmm. I can claim responsibility for one of those instances (laughs) when I picked one night stand and Gino's better half happened to walk in as Bubba Ray Dudley was using a cheese grater on the forehead of Tommy Dreamer. (laughs) Shout out out to my wife, Amanda, because whenever she sees wrestling on whatever it is, she'll be like, Oh, what are we watching? And she'll jump nice. into popcorn. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And you just earned a whole bunch of brownie points there, I'm sure. Anyway, <laughs> this show was a lot of fun. I say that about night one. Night one was an absolute blast. Look, we all knew it was going to be Cody coming out. What we didn't know was what version of Cody we were going to get. It was the worst kept secret in wrestling that Cody was going to WWE. He was returning as, you know, after a six year absence that obviously saw him help start up AEW. He comes out and it's to kingdom his theme song from AEW. He's keeping the same character there and the character that made him unwatchable for the last six months of his AEW run comes in and gets over instantly. On night one, on the biggest stage possible, and he goes out there and has a killer four-star match with Seth Rollins. That was pretty cool. Becky Bianca, four-star match, one of the better women's matches you're ever going to see. Logan Paul comes in, and you're not expecting Logan to do a heck of a lot because, hey, these are the Paul brothers, and they make tons of money for not doing a whole heck of a lot. They've cornered the market on that. More power to them. And it turns out Logan Paul can go. The only bad part is they worked in a baby face turn that, and yeah, into his contract yep. and that didn't work at WrestleMania, but sort of worked later in the year. We'll get to that. And by the way, it's, spoke. it's, it's just the thing of the wrestling fan respected what he was able to do athletically, yep. Yep. but still can't stand the guy. I know. And, right. and, yeah. and he's yeah. a great son. Him and his brother would just be such perfect heels. Like if they both yeah. just came in together, like every and it would work. So I, I think we'll get there eventually, Andrew, where they turn them and and they could have a fun, you know, fun like little tag team run against some of the other baby faces. Yep, that's for sure. Now, the last two matches hold a special place in my heart. When Charlotte and Ronda Rousey hooked up, you guys remember when we previewed this show? You guys remember when I brought up, hey, wait a minute. Rhonda's not booked on the go home show. What's going on here? Yeah. There's something that doesn't smell quite right. It was weird. I was called yep. names on this very no, show. You, you, I was called names. Uh, you were. You were. I had to edit it out some of the stuff that I that I said. Just for <laughs> being a damn conspiracy. Rhonda's going over. Cut it you out. Idiot. Whatever you're smoking, send it my way, Andrew. You were up in Humboldt County Fair a little too long over there last week. Oh God. But yeah. And then Charlotte goes over and ultimately I I don't want to say that neutered Rhonda's return because she did do some, some fun stuff, but 
she wasn't Ronda Rousey in all capital letters anymore. And it showed. However, you then get the main event segment. Now, we weren't sure what was going to come of this. We knew Steve Austin was going to come out. We had to figure there was going to be some sort of an altercation. We weren't sure if we were getting a match because they remember, hadn't listed it as a match. This was supposed to be the KO show. Yes, right? and to remember, close out. Steve Austin hadn't wrestled in 20 years due to what was at one point a broken freaking neck. So they have this fight, and you can see Owens is trying to take it a little easy on him. They ease into it, but Austin takes a bump into the barricade at ringside. And once he does that, you can sort of see a switch flip. And he goes, oh, I remember how to do this. And all of a sudden, we get this incredibly fun 13-minute-long back-and-forth fight where Kevin Owens gets his ass kicked, Steve Austin gets to drink a couple of beers, we all wind up going home happy from night one at WrestleMania. And, Gino, as you mentioned, it was just awesome to see the guy back. It reminded us of times when wrestling really was simple. We didn't care what happened the first hour and 55 minutes of a two-hour TV show, but if Steve Austin stunned Mr. McMahon and drank a whole bunch of beers on the turnbuckle, we all went home happy. It's really not a hard thing to do to book a professional wrestling show. And night one of WrestleMania is as good as it's going to get. It's a fantastic show, and if you want to go back and rewatch it, you're not going to be disappointed. And it wasn't as if night two was bad, DZ. It just wasn't quite, you didn't have the, the surprises. There and was one thing that does not age well. And which was the thing, what is it for you? Vince. Oh, obviously, right? Vince McMahon is on the show. Um, so just to run through real quick of night two, we had RK Bro beating the Street Profits and Alpha Academy by pinfall. Bobby Lashley beat Omos. Johnny Knoxville with Sami Zayn. That was a fun one. Uh, and then Anything Goes match. Sasha and Naomi won the Women's Tag Team Championship. They beat Carmella, Zelina, Liv and Rhea, and Natty and Shayna. Edge beat AJ. Sheamus and Ridge beat The New Day in just like a weird quick squash tag team That match. was supposed to be on night one. They moved it to night two, and then the match didn't go more than two minutes. It was yep. bizarre. Pat McAfee, though, he had a good showing himself. The crowd was into him. He performed very well. He beats Austin Theory, but then he loses right after to Mr. McMahon, and Roman beats Brock in the main event, and it was a winner-takes-all match for the Universal Championship. DZ, what'd you think about night two? Yeah, it's I'm not saying that night two was was bad because I think that would be an unfair uh, an unfair label to put on the entire night. But it was the victim of, you know, like the guy that has to come out that uh, because night one was fantastic. And there were there were parts of night two, um, but there were parts of it that were 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 decent um you know the mr mcmahon stuff could have been funny and then it got uh it got to the point where it just you know it went completely off the rails mm -hmm. um you know the the johnny knoxville thing you know had some humor in it but it also got ridiculous um and yeah i mean in and out of the of the night there was some questionable things there were some good things. There were some things that were ridiculous. 
there was the kind of abrupt ending to the Roman Lesnar match, which prompted speculation of an injury. Um, the way that that kind of concluded after about 12 minutes, I won't say it was bad, but I don't know with the lineup that they had. It was weird sort of Sunday, placement. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how they were going to be able to come close to, to what they had in, in terms of in the plans for, for Saturday and me, and maybe if it would have taken, if they would have taken Cody and put that on Sunday instead, you know, maybe that kind of changes everything a little bit. And instead of it being one great night and one so-so night, it's one very good night and one good night. I'm not sure, but yeah, night night two was just had the misfortune of just following. Well, be honest with you, it's probably one of the best nights that WWE's had in the last twenty some odd years. Absolutely, and Andrew, the just in a couple months, the energy flipped a little bit because coming out of WrestleMania night one, a lot of people were pumped, weren't quite as pumped after night two, but still had good feelings coming out of the weekend. Give us some of your night two thoughts. Uh, I'll go further than Darren. It wasn't good. I mean, you'll look at the matches that are there. You can make an argument that the best match we saw all night was the opener, that three-way tag match with RK Bro, the Street Profits, and Alpha Academy. It was a fun opener. You wind up with Gable Steveson getting a moment at the end of the match where Chad Gable wound up interrupting and getting suplexed. That was a good match. It was a good start. But then after that, you get Omos against Bobby Lashley, I like Lashley. He has been booked very, very well the last couple of years. You can't do anything with Omos. You just can't. No. I'm sorry. You can't. Tough. The Sami Zayn, Johnny Knoxville thing was so not my speed. I understand what they were trying to do. It wasn't very good. You get the women's tag match. That wasn't very good at the time. And then you have all of the Sasha and Naomi stuff that's happened since. That wasn't very good. And all of a sudden, we're an hour into the show and we've had three bad matches in a row going into AJ Styles and edge, which wasn't bad, but never got out of second gear. You get the new day match that lasted two minutes. McAfee Austin theory was fun, but then Vince had to come out and do his God damn it. If Austin can come back, so can I pal moment. And that was really the only reason that had to happen. That was the only reason we got Vince in that particular spot because Austin came back the night before. And then you get Brock and Roman, and that match was fine. But, but they had a better one at SummerSlam. Even. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. where I was going to go. And it's a point where if you just watch night one of WrestleMania and maybe the opener of night two, it's a really, really good piece of business. Now, my only counter would be I, I can understand the people that didn't like the Knoxville Sammy, but a lot of uh, it was goofy and it wasn't like a serious wrestling match, but it did get a really good response. And a, and a, a lot of the crowd was into it and it was kind of nostalgic for some of the jackass guys. So see, I get that, that. And I will say full disclosure, I have never been a jackass fan, even when the show was yeah. really, really hot in the mid 2000s. If I, so I got to kick a card, if I want to see cartoony type stuff, I'll watch Bugs Bunny beat the no, hell no, out and of I Elmer agree Fudd. with you. I agree. I don't think it was it wasn't for everyone, but I don't I wouldn't say that that was a a, a down part of the show, but I agree as you went through like match by match, there weren't very many things that were above average or that have held up well looking back, right? It was probably like McAfee who had a good performance there. Edge yep. AJ was fine, but we kind of want like you said we were expecting it to take another hit, another level, and it, it wasn't like it was bad, but right. it, it 
didn't quite get there. It was just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so not not the best. By, night. by the way, guys, I don't know if you saw. So Bret Hart is trending on Twitter right now. I saw Uh-oh. why. It's great. It's a great <laughs> angle. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I got nervous too. Me too. Okay. So so Braun Breaker and Grayson Waller did the Bret Hart Goldberg spot tonight on NXT where Brett had the, the silver vest underneath and Goldberg oh, knocked himself out on so, the spear. So Waller, Waller took the, took the bump on the spear. And then, and then he, he, he takes off like his jacket and he's got like a Kevlar vest on underneath. Oh, it, that's great. Like a piece of metal. And I'm like, Oh, look at that. That's it's great. The oh, lesson as always. Influencing. <laughs> yeah. The lesson as always wrestling is at its best when it is simple. <laughs> Let's move to WrestleMania backlash. Come on, let's just call this backlash. You know, like, they got to get the WrestleMania uh, in as many times as they can. But this was the the show that had the middle of the trio that Cody Rhodes and Rollins had, and and DZ. I think one point that's worth mentioning about Cody's return. What I was so impressed with about it is that most of the time when you come back and you have a return. You have a return, you come out, you get the big pop, and then you start to build and set up your feud. Well, this guy had to come out, get the big pop, have to deal with all that emotion, overwhelming emotions of returning to this company that you had been forever and the place that you thought you were going to be forever. And then after that, you got to go out there and have a 15, 20-minute banger with Seth Rollins. He did it at WrestleMania, and then they came back at WrestleMania Backlash. They opened the card. They had another really good match. I think all three of the matches they had were given four and a half stars or above, and they were three of, like, the top eight to ten matches in WWE all year long. Yeah, I I mean, look, when, when you put Cody and Seth together, you know— it, it's going to be hard for it not to be good. You know, you're, you're literally talking about two of the best wrestlers on the planet. Um, you know, and listen, I mean, that, that's not to say that, that, you know, you can't put two good wrestlers in a ring and maybe something goes wrong, but it, a lot would have to go wrong. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, everything that they did was either four and a quarter, four and a half by everything that I saw. Um, you know, Seth at this point was just like so over the top with what he was doing. That it was like it was just really uh, like comedic enjoyment, but also you know a really good character. The mm-hmm. story between the two of them was solid. Um, you could even make the argument if you if you take the element of oh my god they really did it it's Cody oh my god it's his actual character from AEW oh my god they he kept the same song. If you take all of that out of it and you just compare the two wrestling matches, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with somebody who thought that this match might have even been a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and then because the third one was more about, oh, my God, injury. look at Cody's yeah. injury and what he's yeah. dealing with. Right. So the, the first and the third were more about the emotions in it. Yep. The middle one was probably probably had the, the hardest to keep everybody in it. Right. Because it was just a yep. pure match, you know. Yep. Exactly. And, and I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. But yeah, uh, I, I mean, that was that that was just a fantastic, fantastic match. Uh, you got Edge and AJ again, which I, I mean, it was OK again. Um, you know, I, I this it just kind of weird. I love AJ Styles, but there's been there's been a lot of spots 
where you've gotten him in matches where it was like, okay, here's the, you know, and, and, and you kind of, you remember the it's very B minus, stuff. it's very yeah. B minus kind of stuff yeah. where it's it like, is it, wanting more. You never get is to it where him? it's him? Yeah. Is it them? Are they not letting him take the handcuffs fully off? Is it a physical thing? I don't know, but I agree with you. There have been a few where I've been like, eh. it's not that it was bad, but we, we just think so highly of AJ and we know what he can do. And, and Edge also, so yeah, I, I mean, both of them, and their feud was was fine, but a little bit disappointing. The Ronda-Charlotte match here, they beat the hell out of each other in this one. Yeah. Right? This was yeah. that I quit match where they really kicked the crap out of Hot each other. Hot take, this is the match they should have had at WrestleMania. Absolutely, I agree. This was, this was a good one. And then we ended up with the Bloodline in a fun six-man tag, uh, Roman and the Usos versus Drew and RK-Bro throughout the early part of the year. RK bro was very over and it looked like at some points we were going to get either the two of them against Roman and kind of like a triple threat match for the title, or we did end up getting riddle versus Roman DZ on an episode of SmackDown. I think that yeah. was around, that was not long after this and it was a very, very good match. It was uh, listed at like a four and a half star match. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that obviously the bloodline has done has been has been just over the top great. Um, this was no exception. RK Bro at this point, you know, was just over huge. And and you know, shout out to Randy Orton because man, is he missed. Um, you know, and I hope he's doing well. I know he recently had surgery on his back, and hopefully at some point, you know, fingers crossed, we could see him again in some capacity. Um, but yeah, th- this was a phenomenal main event. Uh, obviously it had a ton of wrestling talent in it. It had guys that were over. It had the biggest guy in the business right now. Um, this was, you know, I listen, I don't like, I don't like the title WrestleMania backlash, but this had three really good matches and another one that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're talking about a six know, match four, card, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty damn good for a pay-per-view. Yep. It is. Andrew, uh, what were some of your thoughts on this show? Thought it was a good show, and I think we hit a lot of the main high points. You got a good Cody-Seth match, you know, shocker, right, with those two guys. Edge-AJ was better. Charlotte-Ronda was better, both those than we saw at WrestleMania. You also get the formation of Judgment Day, where you get Damian Mm -hmm. Priest coming out, and then you get Rhea Ripley in that form. It would not be long after this when Edge would wind up getting kicked out of his own faction and mercifully so because that was a horrible use of edge you could see what they were trying to do but it just didn't work and i will never begrudge wwe or AEW or anyone else for trying things that don't necessarily work and especially when you figure it out that it doesn't work and you call the audible right you throw something at the wall but don't necessarily keep Getting get stubborn like Vince used to and just try to see it all the way out. Like they tried it for a little bit, it didn't work. And I was worried at the time when Edge left the Judgment Day for a while, it felt like there was a little time period where Damien and Finn are kind of floundering. And then the addition of Rhea, which you never would have really thought that just kind of putting Rhea with them, they feel like. I mean, Finn is in as good of a spot as he's been on the main roster in a long, long time. Damien is relevant. He had a good run, and then he was kind of out of sight, out of mind. And for Rhea, I mean, she feels like she's she's gotten so over, and she has not, hasn't even had to wrestle doing it. No, and it's she's certainly got 
not just the unique look, but that it factor, that presence that we've talked about. And we can talk more about how the past couple of years, the booking with her has not been great because there this have been her. a couple of times she was supposed to be the person in the women's division. And it, for whatever reason, didn't take, they jobbed her to Charlotte a couple of times where they shouldn't have had to. This is as good a use of her as they're going to do. The main event here was excellent. The bloodline didn't need to go over here, and that's probably the one main criticism. You can give them a chink in the armor every once in a while, but at the same time, whenever they ultimately implode and things really do fall apart, the payoff should be worth it. It's going to feel huge. Yeah, it's going to feel huge. As we move to Hell in a Cell, we had Bianca, Asuka, and Becky Lynch in a triple threat. If you are sensitive, avert your eyes. Yeah, the... uh, uh, the main event with Cody and Seth Rollins where Cody had a full-on torn pectoral and it was it was so gruesome looking that we all didn't even know if it was real. It's like this guy can't go out there with this looking like this literally black and blue and purple bruised up on the entire top half of his body. But apparently he had you know, spoke with the doctors. He was the main event of this show. And this was a very old school Dusty Rhodes way of thinking. They bought tickets to see me. I'm the guy in the Hell in a Cell match. There was only one Hell in a Cell match carded for the Hell in a Cell pay per view. Darren, they were in a tough spot because if Cody wasn't ready to go, they, they would have had to call a real audible and change things. And this has been a feud they had been building up for months. And this was the blow off of the feud. And you know what? He, he showed. How tough he is where he just said, I'm going to go out there and do it. I know it'll make it a little bit worse. Then I'll go get the surgery. I'll get fixed up. I'll be out for six months, but I'm going to bite the bullet right now because at this point he was with Roman being the undisputed champion and Roman spending most of his time on SmackDown. Cody felt like for a couple months after WrestleMania, he felt like the uncrowned champion of Monday Night Raw. Yes, he did. Uh, and, And I think they positioned him well. Uh, they responded to what the crowd clearly wanted. They were giving the people, you know, what they wanted. Uh, I just wanted to briefly mention the overall view of the pay-per-view. This, this was one of those shows, and there's been several of them throughout the year, where you kind of look at the card and you're like, all right, you're not expecting much. And it over-delivered. Mm-hmm. You know, like like the show was fun. I'm not saying it was a, a, an all-time epic pay-per-view, but, but the show over-delivered compared to what it looked like it potentially in. could have been. Yeah, on yep. paper. But specific to the Cody match, um, look, I've never torn my pectoral muscle, thank God. I have no idea what kind of pain that causes. I don't know necessarily how you're able to even move. Uh, I'm sure that there was probably some pain medication that was involved in this. But the fact that he could go out there with that injury and put forth the effort and the performance that he did um, I, I don't, I, I quite honestly don't know how, and, uh, it, it was, it was a gruesome thing to see. And, uh, you have to just give him all the credit in the world for that. And, uh, and, and overall, you know, for the match again, being a completely different version of what they've done so far. And again, being able to deliver it in a way that really captivated the audience. Um, I thought it was a great end to the trilogy and it was an unfortunate end to that brief beginning run for Cody, but uh, hopefully we are uh, approaching his return very soon. Andrew, uh, go ahead. 
yeah, here's a, here's something funny that you guys are going to laugh at. Because wrestling Twitter is comprised of the brightest minds ever assembled in the history of mankind, there were people that night that decided to say, oh, Cody doesn't have a torn peck. That's all makeup. That's totally fake. And in the meantime, you see Cody take the robe off. And oh my God. It was. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fond of making these ridiculous comparisons that at first don't make a lot of sense, but hear me out on this. Have either of you two ever seen the movie Million Dollar Baby with Hillary Swank and Clint Eastwood? Mm-hmm. Very okay. good movie. You'd both agree it's a very good movie, but you'd also agree it's a movie you only see once. Mm-hmm. You ain't I, gonna, I never, I never, I never watched it again. Me neither. That's you don't this want match. To. You yeah. don't yeah. want to go back and see it's this match again. It's, it's, it's remarkable what Cody was able to do. It's a very, very good match. It's a great end of the trilogy, but you never want to see it again. Now, going through the rest of the card, the opener was incredible. You had Bianca, Becky, and Asuka mm-hmm. in a three-way for the Raw Women's title. They got almost 20 minutes, and they delivered. That's a four-star-plus match. The other things with this show, though, I, I hesitate to use the term shit sandwich, but let's just go through this for a minute. We get the third Omos bobby Lashley match in the last three premium live events. Can we talk a little bit about Ezekiel? Yeah, that was one that you could tell that when Triple H came in, he just put a cut right to it because they were yeah. he, he just said, this isn't my storyline. I got I got to say the first little bit of it, I, I thought it was funny, but they just didn't it, and they didn't have, unfortunately, like a lot of these stories, Andrew, they didn't have a plan for what was going to be the end of it. And you could see it just drag on and get a little more annoying. And that was unfortunate because Kevin Owens was coming off of a match with Stone Cold in the main event of WrestleMania and you his next put Sammy Zayn in that spot. No, you're right. You're right. It's and it just, was, uh, is bad. It was horrible. We can all agree. It was horrible. Thank God. Triple H put the kibosh on that. We also get the second or third straight pay-per-view with Baron Corbin against Madcap Moss rematches really became a problem. And that was another thing that you could sort of see shift just a little bit when Vince McMahon exited stage left and Hunter rose up the ranks. And it was a bummer because these guys actually had a, they, they worked hard in this match and it they was a did. pretty good match. Like it was, it was good in a vacuum in Madcap Moss. You can see a lot of improvement from him, you know, throughout the year and just getting better in the ring. But like you said, it, had, it had drawn on for so long. I think Madcap Moss and Corbin put, or Madcap Moss and Corbin put, um, McIntyre out a couple months before the the rumble and then they had drawn on for uh, like it had just been going on for it felt like eight eight months nine months or so it was just too much yeah it, it it's not that it was bad but it's one of those things that should have been a one pay-per-view thing and instead we got three out of it it just yep. it, it, the the main event was great Baron Corbin has a history great. of that by the way He's I know. been in a lot of he's been in a lot of feuds that just never stop. Roman, so, Drew, Mad, can they just keep yep. lingering on and on? The, um, the 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 Roman feud in particular never was the it's the yeah. only time it's the only time I have ever turned down free tickets. SmackDown was in the Bay Area, and I believe it was 2019, 
And it was the week after they forced Roman to eat dog food or they showered him in it or whatever. And at the time, I still had a buddy that worked for WWE and I get tickets for one show a year. And I said, yeah, going to pass. This was really, really bad. And for somebody to turn down free tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Especially but, Andrew. Hey, you see, he goes to those A's games where there's like a hundred people there and he sees yeah, the and, only people and, there. And, and, and two thirds of them are holding up signs saying, <laughs> sell the team. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I, I will, I'll give a shout out because of the, the, the time that you just brought up and the, the time of the year um, that three years ago, right around this time is the last time Roman Reigns was pinned by one Baron Corbin. Yeah, you're right. So, that was, yeah, that was one of the last times that he's December, it, December 15th, 2019 TLC. And one of the most protected finishing moves too is uh, the Corbin end of days, which we've only, oh, seen but they screwed it up with, with drew, right? He did it a few they times. Screwed up. I, 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 that, did it. I'll be honest with you over the last year when drew kicked out of that, that I was, was like, the oh, baddest I've been. I, was I like, know. Oh. That was one they don't do very much. They don't That's keep the, things so the protected. Fact, the factoid I, is gone. I know. Finisher <laughs> that nobody's ever kicked out of on the well, main Samoa roster. Well, Samoa Joe did too. No, nah, I said it, main, it, roster. It, main roster. Oh, I said main roster there, I think recently we may have even had like Ricochet kick out of it. Um, they, they've they've on SmackDown like they've had it. It's not been protected now ever since the the Drew. Well, now uh, it's out. over. I mean, yeah, it's now it's done, done right? Because yeah. that's it. It's not like in 1992 where it didn't happen on TV. Like it, it didn't, didn't happen. happen. No they one's ever kicked out of that McMahon. Andre's yeah. never been slammed. We didn't yeah. see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We moved to July and we were into Money in the Bank, and the 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 vibe coming out of Money in the Bank was really strange because. First match, Liv Morgan wins the money in the bank. And Liv Morgan had had been actually having a pretty good year. She had really improved herself. Um, she was in a feud earlier in the year where she didn't get the chance to win against Becky and you know for the title a couple times. And then she was in a tag team for a little bit with Rhea. But she ends up winning the money in the bank. And then later on that night, she cashes in against Ronda Rousey. And she beats Ronda following a Ronda-Natalia match. And unfortunately... Liv's run just was not very good, and it's what what we've seen with some Money in the Bank winners where I don't think they really know what they wanted to do with Liv. They had her in a feud with Ronda a couple times. The first match that Liv had after this was a match we'll talk about where it was like a four-minute match, and it didn't do much for anyone. She was kind of being tweener-ish, but this was a good night for her. She gets the Money in the Bank win, and then she wins the title. She thought, you know, sky is the limit coming off of this night. Bobby Lashley beat Theory for the U.S. title. We had Bianca and Carmella in a women's title match. We had the Usos versus the Street Profits in one of the matches of the year. This was one of the highest-ranked matches of the year. It was a fantastic match with uh, with the Street Profits. And then in the Money in the Bank match, we had Theory, who was not even listed as a participant. He lost his U.S. title earlier in the night. He comes in. And he wins the Money in the Bank ladder match, beating Drew, Madcap, Omos, Riddle, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, and Sheamus. So DZ, it's funny because people were really excited when Liv won and then she cashed in. She was one of those fan favorites for a while who's shown tons of growth and improvement. And just we always want to mention, Enzo, you are so stupid. Thank you. Thank you. And then the Money in the Bank. It was kind of the opposite because at this time, 
Theory was like the Mr. McMahon chosen guy. Everybody knew he was McMahon's handpicked dude. And so this one left a really weird taste in everybody's mouth um, with Theory being the guy to win. Yeah, I mean, I was hoping that that's not the direction it went in, but it was. And kind of because, like, the way I, I, the way I looked at it was that the guy who won the money in the bank had to be someone that had some kind of a threat to Roman. You know, that because... If I know. The, there was no way that Theory was beating Roman. There None. was no way. None. None. I don't care if it's if Vince's hand-picked guy. There was no chance Austin Theory was cashing in and beating Roman Reigns. It was not happening. So that so when Theory won this, you you kind of figured that the money in the bank briefcase was going to go to a place that was probably not going to be great and that's exactly what ended up happening with it. Um so I didn't love that. The match was was fine. The women's match I thought was fine. But you're 100% right. The, the the match that stole this show was was the Usos and the Street Profits, with, which, you know, has got to be on anybody's top five list for matches of the year. Um, and um, go back, if you haven't seen this particular pay-per-view, go back just to watch, you know, this particular uh, match. It, it did have a little bit of a uh, controversial ending with the shoulder being up and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a couple of a couple of duds in there. But for the most part, it, it was a, I would call it an above average to close to a good show, you know, maybe a seven out of 10 or a six and a half out of 10. It was fine. But the money in the bank men's match left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And what's sort of hard, Andrew, when we look at this show a few months after, it again kind of feels like I feel really good about where Austin Theory is now. I think they've done a really nice job of repackaging him, and he feels like he's got a little bit more of a serious tone to him. But you look at what came out of this, and Liv didn't really have much of a run. And then Theory lost the Money in the Bank briefcase. It just it feels like they didn't do a good job using the vehicle that is Money in the Bank, right? That's a good tool that you have to get your next person over. And they've they've struggled with this now the last couple years. Compare it to years prior where, I mean, they put this on someone like Daniel Bryan that really helped him, you know, the having the money in the bank briefcase. Guys like The Miz and Edge, it really helped them. And it's not been the same, it felt like, a little bit, Andrew. So this it goes back to the same issues they had at the Royal Rumble six months before this. They hadn't really built up a stable of people that you could run these people you're pushing into to build them up and establish themselves and whatnot. And while Liv Morgan cashing in the money in the bank and winning the title was a really cool moment. And look, again, we've talked about this. We will never criticize WWE for trying to book someone new to the scene that's over, that's easy to get behind in high spots and giving them the ball and seeing what they can do with it. The problem is, after this match, Liv Morgan would have a couple of matches with Ronda Rousey that had beyond strange booking because they had to protect Rousey somehow and because, look, even though she's several years past when she was Ronda Rousey in all capital letters, I still don't want to see her at the other end of a dark alley. So they had to do these things where they had to try to have Liv sneak out wins and 
it doesn't work when you're not fully committed to pushing your champion. And they just weren't with the way that they booked Liv against Ronda coming out of this show. Her getting the title, tremendous moment. I love what they tried to do. It just didn't work. The stuff with Theory was just a bad call. I understand they were trying to elevate somebody new, but the way that this was done, there was no plausible endgame to any of this. If you're going to give the Money in the Bank briefcase to anybody in here, for goodness sakes, give it to Riddle. At least then... And and at the moment, he felt like... He was the guy in the match because he was being booked pretty well. I think they had the stipulation to where, you know, Roman, he couldn't face Roman again for the title because he'd already been beat. So this could have been a way to give it to him there, too. It just there at, in this match, there weren't like you had said, Andrew, they didn't do a good job making you think that it was going to be Madcap or Omos or really Sammy or Sheamus, or even Seth at the time. Like, the only person it could have been would have been a lazy way to put it on Drew because we knew Drew was going to have that clash at the castle match coming up, which he had already sort of said, hey, I'm going to be the guy who faces Roman in, at clash at the castle. So, it, again, it it doesn't feel like right now heading into the Royal Rumble where we actually think there could be three or four different options. They didn't have very many at all in here that no, were good options. They didn't. And by the way, you mentioned Sammy. Here's a fun little quirk. What if Sammy wins this match and all of a sudden honorary use has the money in the bank briefcase? I know. And <laughs> how's now, that and, for a quirk? And that could be something they play with, you know, even with the Royal Rumble, because maybe they try to Sammy could win the Rumble and then get pressure, try to get pressured into, you know, going after another title or doing something else. That could be part of a story that they end up telling that was money in the bank. And after Money in the Bank, we led to SummerSlam. And this was when Triple H now had the reins at SummerSlam. And we could see a little bit of a change. Because right off the bat, at SummerSlam, we had some returns. We had Dakota Kai, and we had uh, Io Shirai, known as Io Sky, making their return. Bianca beat Becky in another really good singles match to kick off the card. We had Logan Paul beat The Miz, and Logan again showed his incredible athleticism. A super weird, like, four-minute match between Lashley and Theory for the U.S. title, which almost made you think that Theory was going to cash in later on in the end, at the end of the night, which he tried to do. The Mysterios faced the Judgment Day, and this was what would lead to Dominic Mysterio joining the Judgment Day. We had Pat McAfee show back up again. So Pat and Logan, they did double duty this year. Logan actually had another match that we would uh, we would talk about. The uh, Usos and the Street Profits had another good one. This wasn't quite as good as their prior match, but Jeff Jarrett was a special guest referee here. How and did Jeff Jarrett get a payday here? I know, just because it was Tennessee, right? And then he yes. he went right on over, and he's getting the tag team title match on AEW coming up How? soon. Who in their right mind? Will, okay, I need to say this. Please. You know I need to say this. Give it to us. Broke a thousand guitars, never drew, never a, dime. drew a dime. I know. Old Slapnuts and Jay Lethal are going to be uh, yeah, in a tag team championship match on AEW. And then this was the weird one with, with Liv and Ronda because Ronda had Liv in a submission. Liv was tapping out, but the ref didn't see. And so Liv kind of rolled Ronda up and got a 
kind of like a slip on a banana peel win, even though she was actually tapping out. And then after the match, Liv was kind of acting like a heel. She was acting like, oh, look, I won that match. I won that match fair and square when we all saw that, you know, she really didn't. And then we had Roman and Brock in what was a an awesome match. I got to say, we, we, we were a little bit sick of these guys at the time, but... In this last man standing match when they're burying Brock Lesnar, you've got all of these guys out there in the main event. The Usos Brock getting came involved. out in a tractor, for God's he, sake. My son Milo was loving it as he drives a tractor to the ring, moves the ring. Um, it was it was really fun. And overall, like a, a pretty solid SummerSlam, I think. DZ, when you kind of look through some of the matches on the card, like a couple good matches throughout the night. And we, we ended with kind of that fun energy match with Roman and Brock, but the live Ronda stuff is kind of what stands out to me from this show and just kind of how lost they were with live at this point. Yeah, it, it, they were. Um, I, I could tell you in, in person, this was a very enjoyable event to be at. Um, the crowd was very much into it. Uh, the Bianca Becky Lynch to kick it off was, was close to a four star, if not a four star match from my viewpoint. The Logan Miz match was probably in mid threes. Um, you know, Lashley theory was what it was. The Mysterio match was pretty much as good as they could have gotten it. The McAfee, the McAfee Corbin match was fun and entertaining. The Usos and Street Profits, if if you put this match in a vacuum, it's a very good match. Was it as good as the one that they gave you at Money in the Bank? No, but it was still a very good match. You mentioned the Liv and Rousey stuff was still wonky. The Roman Lesnar match was a complete spectacle. And I mean that in a good way. Um, you know, flipping the ring over with the tractor, the whole, the place, you know, it was just to, to be sitting there in the arena and see that ring just halfway up in the air was just a wild, wild sight. Um, and I would, I would make the argument that this is probably the second best match that they had uh, I think so after, too. I would say after the original one where Rollins cashed in at WrestleMania. I agree. Uh, I, I think that one has to stay number one. I think this one probably moved into number two. It was a completely different type of match. Um, I'm not a big fan of last man standing. Me neither. I will say what they did here was probably one of the better versions of that. Um, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, for my money, that this this show was probably about a seven point five out of ten. I thought it was a really good pay per view. And Andrew, sometimes you can do a little too much with the bells and the whistles and like the overbooking of stuff. But with these two guys, we'd seen them so many times. You had to kind of do that in this match, right? Throw a lot of stuff out there to at le- at the very least make us be really entertained. Because I don't think that many people thought Brock Lesnar was going to beat Roman here and end up. Running with the title so what you got to do Is have it be a spectacle Like a car crash type of thing and that's literally What they did out there was like a demolition derby Brock Lesnar Threw the microphone down From the top of the tractor (laughs) And Reigns caught it You got one chance to do that If Reigns drops it He looks horrible if Lesnar Doesn't get it there he throws like a girl Let's just get some Attention to that that little thing you know you got To get the little things right I like and, and, that and match. matches, right? Those are key because, like, if it's like Mr. Perfect spitting his gum, right? It's one of those things where you do it, it works, and it's just such a nice ad, like such yep. a nice dressing, you know, on, on icing on the cake. And and how do you practice that? Like you beforehand, can. yeah. Like the, the Friday before, Lesnar goes, 
okay, I'm going to drive a tractor down to the ring. I'm going to jump on top of the tractor, do my own introduction, and then I'm going to throw you the microphone and you catch it. You're going to catch it and then wink at me. (laughs) Good stuff. It's just freaking insane. That match was very good. I loved the women's title match to start things off with Bianca and Becky. I don't know if it was quite as good as their WrestleMania match, but it was excellent. And if you wanted some indication that there was a changing of the guard coming, you got it at the end of the match because you guys mentioned Dakota Kai coming back after being let go. You mentioned EO sky getting a call up after she hadn't been doing much of anything. Bailey also yep. came back mm-hmm. after yep. a year away. And you could see if you look at her face, she's supposed to be the almighty heel stomping back into her yard. She's crying. And that's really cool. Like you get that kind of a moment. And that was awesome. And mind you, we should probably talk about this and the live Rhonda stuff with the understanding that Sasha and Naomi would have been primarily involved in some way, shape, or form with all That's of a good this point. had they yeah. not walked out a couple of months prior to this. We haven't really talked about that. We no, that's a should. good point. Yeah. Um, I mean, try to imagine how that would have looked towards the end of the year when we start talking about war games matches and whatnot. But what we had here was really, really cool. It was the first time Triple H had brought somebody right back and in fairness, Dakota Kai should not have been let go in the first place. Mm-hmm. Some of the releases from the past couple of years in WWE have made no sense, and we can leave that there. The headline matches for SummerSlam absolutely delivered, and yes, that included Logan Paul and The Miz. And we moved to September, and we had Clash at the Castle, which was a very, very good show. They built this thing well. This was on September the 3rd. It was in Cardiff, Wales. And because of that, there were going to be two two guys that were going to have big places on the show. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. And what I loved about this is that both of them were defeated, but they both had incredible matches. The crowd was over for them. This was the... Honestly, the best match that Sheamus has ever had in his life um, and in WWE and probably anywhere else. It, it is actually listed as a five-star match against Gunther. These two guys beat the absolute hell out of each other. And Sheamus was a guy who was thought of as Triple H's guy. He was a workout partner of Triple H. When he came into the WWE, he got a rocket strapped right to him. He went right to the top pretty quickly. And then... There was always this kind of weird energy around Sheamus, like he was a baby face that some of the crowd kind of got sick of. I think when a lot of the um, really good in-ring independent talent came in, people got fed up with Sheamus. But man, this last six months or so has been a really good like rejuvenation for Sheamus. He is as over as he's been. Crowd naturally got behind him because he just kept going out there and having really good matches. And I think... Over the last couple of years, he'd had some good ones with Drew, and he just continued to put forth really good in-ring work. So shout out to Sheamus. He had an awesome match for the IC title with Gunther. Gunther goes over. They went about 19 and a half minutes, and these guys were like bleeding from the chest after all of the chops that they gave to one another. Uh, Liv Morgan beat Shayna. Edge and Rey Mysterio beat the Judgment Day there. 
Seth Rollins and Riddle had a couple really nice matches. This was one of them. And then Roman beat Drew. And DZ, they did a fantastic job in the in the few weeks leading up to this because Drew was a little cold in the in the middle part of the year, but they heated him up leading in so much that we were you actually thought it, you thought, you it thought was he possible, had a shot. Yeah. He yeah. had a shot. Like I'm I'm yeah. not and I'm glad that they didn't do it now because Drew the, the story wasn't quite right for Drew. But that night in that arena, Drew was a big star. He was the most over guy. Everybody wanted to see him win. And there were three or four times in that match I thought he had him. I thought he had him. And it, I uh... like Almost everything about it, except for after the match, they had him celebrate, like, like celebrating a loss. I know, that, was, that was just that was, ridiculous. That yeah. was absurd. And Drew yeah. even talked about how he didn't know they were going to have that broadcast live. He thought that was just going to be something for the crowd. Right. You know, but that was the only thing because they try to like have their cake and eat it too. Right. You can't, you wanted to kind yep. of have Drew look strong right. and have the celebration, but not win, which is, is tough to do. Other than that, though, I thought they presented this card well, and it's so fun when WWE goes international because the crowds are so excited to to be a part of the show. Yeah, I, I'm going to ignore that that post match stuff happened. Yeah, and just yeah. kind of focus, just kind of focus on 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 the card. I, I thought it was a really cool pay per view. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, the Gunther match against Sheamus, as you outlined, was was really excellent. Um, the Rollins Riddle match was enjoyable as well. They were starting to do some fun stuff here uh, with uh, with Judgment Day, but the the McIntyre stuff had a British Bulldog SummerSlam '92 feel. Absolutely, to it. yeah. Where where you thought it was, you know, that there was a shot, and even the betting markets had it very close. That it was telling you that they weren't convinced that Roman was going over here. Uh, it, it was a really good show. The crowd was was really into it. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Roman and Drew have had some really good matches together. They work very well together. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, for my money, this was another pay-per-view that I thought, um, while not everything in it was fantastic, uh, top to bottom, generally speaking, I, th- I thought it was a pretty solid show. What'd you think, Andrew? Heading uh, heading to the Clash at the Castle. This was their first what international pay per view like this that they had live since since '92, I think, right? Since the SummerSlam. It had been quite a while, that's for sure. Um, gee, here's an idea: if you want to have two big guys have a really good match, just have them beat the ever loving daylights out of each other. That'll <laughs> work, yep. and that's precisely what we got with Gunther and Sheamus. And uh, look, I I like Gunther an awful lot. That guy is an absolutely outstanding worker. He's gotten himself into the best shape of his life. I miss when we called him Walter and he had the, the, the big symphony coming in. And it's just, I, I, I miss say that. They've done a better job with him and than I thought. And I think that's because of Triple H. Absolutely, for sure. Right? I mean, if, I was if Vince was still if Vince was still in charge, Gunther would have dropped the title to some mid card no name and been off to something else. He's uh, a guy who is, I don't think they would, but he should be in the rumble towards the end, right? He's not a winner, but he's someone who should be imposing in there. And the rumors that we've heard possibly for Gunther this year is a Brock Lesnar match, which yep. could be 
a lot of fun. And that shows you that they think highly of this guy, that they're willing to put him in the ring with, you know, the guy Brock that they keep going to each and every year. They've had Brock help to get over Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins. Every time they sort of have their next guy, Brock is one, someone that they go to to, to help put him over. Yep, that's for sure. I'm looking forward to that if that materializes. Just nothing overly complicated. Just have them go out there and hit each other really, really hard. And then you get the main event match. Now, this served a couple of different purposes. One, it's an absolutely fantastic match. Two, you get the debut of Solo Sokoa who was assigned by the tribal yep. elders to the, uh, to the bloodline. <laughs> now I'm, I'm going to say this and it's going to be sort of a hot take. And I understand that. I think you put McIntyre over here and you have Reigns get the titles back. You give McIntyre. Oh, the moment. I don't know. It's then you mess up the whole thing. I know. And, and, do and, you that, was, and that was, and that was, was hard. Do I, I, I think once you take the belts off Roman, you're done. I don't think you can go. I think I think, if, I think if you go, yeah, I think I think it I think it tarnishes it. I think once he gets beat, it's done. I think you're I, at that I don't point know now. About that, because my thinking, and I understand where you're coming from, Roman is head and shoulders the most over guy in the company. If anybody even remotely close to full time, and I'm not counting Brock in this, if anybody can be seen as bulletproof, he can. I think you give Drew the moment, and the one thing, uh, the stuff with Tyson Fury made absolutely no sense, even as it was happening. I understand they were trying to do something nice for the crowd, send them all happy, whatever. I I think there's a parallel universe where McIntyre winds up winning the title there. You give the belts back to Roman once you get back to the States, and everything is fine. Nobody remembers how British Bulldog lost the Intercontinental title. I do, Shawn Michaels. But, okay, you know, no, the thing that no, <laughs> no sane person remembers how he lost the title. I remember because oh, he tested the positive. Way, they had to get the belt exactly. off. Exactly. Right well, he was yep. gone not long after that. Yep. But very few people remember that. They remember the moment. They remember Brett guiding him through that match because Bulldog was blown up a minute in and had no idea where he was. I don't think Roman would have needed the continuous title reign though I understand why they went the direction they did. Yeah, and I think, you know, like, let's let's play a, um, uh, a little comparison game here. It bothered me thinking about in WCW when they were building up Sting. And then remember they had Luger beat Hogan on that random episode of TV in the middle, and it was kind of weird. The, but the difference is in this one, Andrew, which kind of goes to your point, they haven't had the guy picked out for Roman yet, right? There right. isn't a guy out there to be the next guy. So they they could have had him win it back and then had, you know, continue the reign. But but I do agree. Also, DZ, it's so cool when they're mentioning that 800 days, this guy's been so dominant. I actually, I, I could be convinced either way that it would have been fine. The moment for Drew would have been great. But seeing what we've seen in the next couple months with the way the story's been with the bloodline, maybe they did the right thing. And, and now... You know, we have some really good TV with the bloodline moving forward. Um, all in all, me, go ahead. I was just going to ask. So uh, a, a slight digression. We were talking about Gunther. So uh, I'm I'm actually uh, going to the WWE Christmas live show the day after Christmas at Madison, at Madison Square, Square Garden. Garden. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, so I've been to a quite a few live shows in my lifetime at the Garden. 
where there has been a title change. I was at the Bob Backlund Diesel uh, WWF at the time championship switch, the eight second match. Oh, wow. um, I was at the AJ Styles when he beat Kevin Owens for yes. the US title. Yes, uh, you told I've us seen, about that. I, yeah, I've seen, I've seen, and there's a couple of others too, a couple of tag titles. Like I've, I've been to MSG where they've set up title changes to try to continue to lure you to go to the garden for these live shows. And they announced that at MSG on Monday, there is a five-way ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. Gunther, Kofi Kingston, Shinsuke Nakamura, Ricochet, and Santos Escobar. And right away, I look at that and I say, well, that's a way you could take the belt off of Gunther at a live show. by Not have him lose. Yeah. And you could have him be in a match with Brock, right? At, yep. and like you can build because you don't necessarily want I don't think you need Brock in an intercontinental title match, right? Right. Like right. You can and it would do more for a guy like a ricochet. Yeah. Right. To have that belt and to go put on a banger at WrestleMania. And they've been building Ricochet up pretty well. He's had a couple losses to Gunther, but he's had wins along the way and strong losses there. Yeah. And by the way, I want to see that ladder match with Gunther right? just beating the ever-loving daylights out of everybody else and until King, somebody it, scampers up the ladder. Because uh, yeah. what was cool, Andrew, you being a Lucha Underground fan, Santos Escobar and Ricochet, right? That was Prince Puma. Freaking awesome. And uh, what was who was Santos King in there? Cuerno, King Cuerno and Prince Puma. So we we know they they had a really good match a couple weeks ago. That was a like a four star plus match on SmackDown in that World the, Cup. The best thing Ricochet tweeted an image of those two in a Lucha Underground match five or six years ago so cool. under their prior characters. And tell me something that wouldn't have happened if Vince was still at the controls. Yeah. Really cool to see. I'm, I'm hoping on Monday, just for like you know the 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 cool element of being there, that maybe at like 9:45 at 10 o'clock at night, you know, you get the tweet from me with the. I'm image. hoping we get a text. And yep, new. <laughs> Tag us in there. Tag us yeah. in that one, please. Yeah, As uh, we get and and what's crazy actually, that's not going to be on TV because they said they're running a best of on Raw, right? Yes. On yeah, Monday. It's not, it's not, it's not a Monday Night Raw. It's a, yeah, it's, it's just the, a, it's the holiday live show that they do every Which is year always a big show. Yeah, it's a big, yeah. big show. But, uh, oh, but I mean, the, the other match that's been advertised so far is Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, Sheamus, and Kevin Owens versus the Bloodline. <sighs> that's awesome. <laughs> pretty good live Star show. power. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. As we get to October and WWE Extreme Rules, we open this show with one of the matches that is a, a top 10 match of the year candidate on in WWE, the uh, good old-fashioned Donnybrook, the Brawling Brutes, Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch beat Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci, the Imperium. We had Ronda beat Liv in a at submission last, match. Finally. <laughs> yeah, finally. It was. Yeah. It went 12 minutes. It was. They tried, but it just was clunky. There were just a yeah. few spots that didn't flow. Karrion Cross beat Drew McIntyre by pinfall. I'd imagine if Andrew, if Andrew's comment was was accurate about Triple H being disappointed in some of the the new call ups, this might be one of them. Karrion Cross, who hasn't quite felt as like, his presence hasn't been felt quite as much, and maybe he was a guy who got over in the smaller NXT better than when he's moved to the big main roster because 
He's not really fantastic at anything. For him, it's a lot of bells and whistles. You know, he's not the greatest promo. He's not the greatest in-ring. A lot of it has to do with Scarlett, who's there with him. But Cross did beat Drew McIntyre on this who, show. By the way, so has it, an only, who, by the way, has an OnlyFans account and is still allowed to be in WWE. Oh, that's a good, there's a good point. So if, if I may jump in here. Please, Andrew. Some of the Karrion Cross stuff is not his fault. No. They booked him strongly in NXT. And his timing could not have been worse because he came right after the rain that Adam Cole had where mm-hmm. he was going out every takeover for 45 minutes and having these ridiculous epics with pretty much everybody up and down. Everyone, the card. everyone, Gargano, so, Kyle O'Reilly, yeah. uh, freaking, um, um, a couple of uh, who are the other some of the other guys at the time that he was he was just Rick oh he had one with Ricochet that was unbelievable yep. that cool yeah. Ricochet match so you get that and that was the time that NXT 1.0 was sort of on its last legs I remember them bringing back Samoa Joe as sort of the sheriff of NXT yeah after he point. was fired the first time. And there were rumblings that Regal was not long for NXT and da-da-da-da. It was a really awkward time, and Karrion Cross was the top guy at a strange time. They call him up to the main roster, and they give him a helmet that I can only describe as the bastard child of the hmm. Aldo Montoya collection. It was what was the one that Ron Simmons had when he came in the first time, right? Yeah, it was one the of the gladiator like, helmet. The gladiator yeah. helmet. He looked like Spartacus. Yeah. It Ugh. wasn't good. That happens. Then he's among the cuts. They bring him back, and he's fine for what he is. For what he is as a mid-card heel that can talk, that has a unique presentation, he's totally fine. The problem is he came back and it sort of seemed like he got pushed above his station. And that's not his fault. That's the fault of the people that were booking him. And it's a case where I think there might have been some misguided loyalty to an old NXT guy rather than looking and saying, "Okay, where can we actually put him? That makes a little bit of sense here now. Yes, Scarlet is a very big part of his act, but you could sort of say the same thing about a guy named Mark Merrow in the late 90s, mm-hmm. and he was, he was a mid-carter through and through that they realized, okay, he's not the star here. Jeez. The valet is the star here, and I fear that's where we're going. Yeah. Um, Bianca and Bailey started... What would be a couple really nice matches? It feels like it's gone on for a while because Bailey's come back since SummerSlam and she's been involved with, with Bianca since. But they had really nice matches. This one and then the one following at Crown Jewel was also very, very good. The last woman standing match that they had, and then we had Finn Balor and Edge in an I Quit match. This match got uh, ranked very high. This was a four and a half star match and was listed as one of the top ten matches of WWE so far this year based little, on the rankings. A- a little, a little long. long. Yeah, it went long, almost 30. In, in, yeah. yeah, I think if you cut off maybe about five minutes of it, yeah. but it was very good, DZ. And then, you know, we finished off with Riddle and Rollins in the fight pit match. With It It was a cool idea, and a lot of the match was good, but the rules were kind of weird. I think Daniel Cormier, who was the ref, he didn't even really know. Like, he was confused about the finish, 
yeah. what was weird about it is they brought in Daniel Cormier, and he didn't really do anything. He was literally no. just a referee. Like, you figured he would throw a punch, get involved, maybe build to a match with Seth or something, because they had the Crown Jewel pay-per-view coming up right after this. But it it literally led to nothing. Yeah, that, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, it, it was cool to see him. You know, he got he got a little chirpy with both the guys at a couple of different spots. Um, there was a couple of weird moments in the match and a couple of funky spots, probably limited it to maybe a three-star match for two guys that are really good in the ring. Um, the edge Finn Balor, probably three and a quarter, three and a half for me. Um, you know, the Donnie Brook match stole the show for me right out of the gate. That was a probably four and a quarter, four and a half star type match, but it, it was mm-hmm. a fun show. Um, yeah. you know, I, I like these more compact shows with the six matches because and this is sort of that triple H style with he with is. NXT, right? Where you give everybody gets like 10 plus minutes, there's five or six matches, not yep. eight or nine, and they're all kind of wonky. Well, it, it's kind of it's kind of like it's kind of like the viewpoint that I take with, with major league baseball now when you go to you know eight or nine different guys that come out of the bullpen, where the question is, well, what are the odds that all of these guys are gonna be perfect? Bring- bring good stuff tonight mm-hmm. you know and it's kind of the same thing when you're gonna have a nine or ten match card well like what are the odds that all of these all of these matches are gonna be good like you end up with filler you end up with matches that you could have done without and you end up when we look back at a pay-per-view and saying yeah it was a good show but if it would have been just these six matches it would have been a really good show i wish these other three were left off the card triple h Seems to really find a way, you know, to avoid a lot of that. Now there was some not so great stuff in here. The carry on cross stuff wasn't good, of course. But um, but you got about yeah. four matches now when you look yeah. at this, right? The opener, correct. And yep. you got Bianca Bailey, Finn Edge, and the yep. the main event. So again, we're we've talked about two or three of these shows now where you're going four out of six, pretty exactly. solid matches, and pretty the other good. two. Yeah. Even like Cross Drew, that's ten minutes to where Andrew. It's not like bad. It's just not fantastic right it's not like main event level stuff overall what were your uh, what were your final thoughts on extreme rules ac can't believe we've gone this long without talking about what happened after the main event yeah. there's this guy with a beard and a lantern you're right talking about right. the whole world in his hands mm-hmm. and that mesmerized literally everybody look when bray wyatt got cut after wrestlemania in 2021 it felt wrong now the WrestleMania match that he had with Randy Orton was yet another WrestleMania match he had with Randy Orton. That was awful. It stunk. We can all universally agree on that. I understand there were some really good parts to the theme. At some point, you've got to back it up when the bell rings. And this is something that Seth Rollins actually brought up in an interview where he talked about how during the time that Wyatt was the fiend, Nobody who worked with him came out of it looking particularly good. He had fantastic ideas for segments and for ways to build to matches. But when the bell rang, it just, it weirdly never came together. Having said that, there is no denying he had it, that star power, that, okay, I'm doing something, you need to pay attention factor here. When he got cut, it didn't make any sense. And they finally saw fit to bring him back. And when they did, it was predictably weird. You had 
all of the QR codes and all of the different locations on weekly TV. You had stuff on social media and pages on WWE.com that had turned into things with the white rabbit. You had white rabbit by Jefferson airplane playing at live events for random reasons. It was cool the way that they did that. Now, can they capitalize with Bray Wyatt once the bell rings? They've done some really, really cool stuff with Bray Wyatt and L.A. Knight, two guys that can talk as and well. It's, it's as been good for L.A. Knight. Roster. Yeah, yes. I was say, it's, it's been good for him. It, it, it really has. Yeah, a long way from being Max Dupree, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it, the segments are great. They're fantastic. But what next? Um, Yes. What happens when the bell rings? And that's ultimately going to determine if Bray Wyatt's run this time around sinks or swims. Having said that, this segment, home run. Do you think, um, since we brought it up, obviously we were going to end on this, but Uncle Howie finally made an appearance uh, last week on SmackDown. So we talked about, I think at one point, where this was kind of heading towards this Bray Wyatt versus himself type of thing. Um, I don't know if that's where this is ultimately going to go. Um, I would have seen Bray versus Uncle Howdy, and then who, right? And well, like, then who is, yeah, Uncle exactly. Howdy, yeah, know? I mean, is that is that what's going to end up happening here? I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, like you said, everything he does is weird. He's, he, he's obviously a creative genius, but... I'm I'm a little bit worried what that payoff is going to look like. Me too. And that's what in in the the in I do like that this time they're taking it really slow with him. Yep. Versus like what what Andrew was saying with the fiend, they have this great idea with the character and they rush him right to the top and they put him in in title matches and then you book yourself into a corner. Because what do you do? You you don't want him to lose, but you don't want him just rolling through all of your main event guys right off the bat. You want to be able to build to that. So, yeah. you know, that's, I'm glad they haven't shotgunned him into something right away. And I'm curious if a guy like him even shows up in the Royal rumble, because is it worse to have him come out and lose or yeah. not win than even not even go in there? Right. Do you just have him have a match that night with LA Knight or something, some sort of a build to, I, I think it's probably a better way to do it. DZ. Yeah, I mean, unless Uncle Howdy does something that costs him, and and in the Rumble, hope. right? Yeah, yeah, unless but... unless that's what you know where you're heading with it. But it's, I don't know, it, it, it's it's very weird. I am somewhat concerned about what the, the ending of this is going to look like because it could be, it could be good, but it could also be really stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, absolutely. Andrew, absolutely. what do you think? I'm curious. I feel strongly both ways. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We've also heard speculation that there's going to be some sort of reformation of the Wyatt family or whatever they're going to call that as far as potentially bringing people in to be sort of his underlings. And that's where I think the money might be. If you're going to wind up, even if it's a case where, say, he goes up against whoever Uncle Howdy is, it's probably his brother. um, Yeah. You know, see if he can find, you know, a team of people to go up against Uncle Howdy's team of people. Uh, The one thing that I will say is that if it is his brother, uh, can we please just get an IRS cameo somewhere? Please, that would pretty be great. please. Just, you know, like, in a, well, like know. in like a creepy dream that Bray is having, 
You know what I mean? Like he closes his eyes and he's having this nightmare and all of a sudden- Did you pay like, your taxes? There's an yeah. IRS flash. There's a Bo Leave. Bo Leave! You know what I mean? We get little clips of uh, of some of them as the weird fact. We get a Barry Windham sort of thing. And by the way, shout out Barry Windham. Hopefully he's doing all right. So that was, uh, that was as we led into Crown Jewel. We had the Crown Jewel pay-per-view, which was actually on Breeders' Cup uh, day where I remember watching it a little early in the morning. Is uh, Crown Jewel kicked off with Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley? Bobby Lashley basically beat the crap out of him, and then Lesnar kind of got a roll up, like slip on a banana peel win. They went six minutes. I wonder if there's like another match between these two coming because we had Brock come back recently and Lashley and Brock get into it. Maybe at the Royal Rumble, maybe these guys interfere and it sets something up for down the line. I don't think they're quite done. We had Damage Control beat Alexa and Asuka. Drew McIntyre beat Karrion Cross in a cage match. Judgment Day beat the OC in a six-man tag. Braun Strowman beat Omos. You know what? Could have been worse. Could have been worse. With these two guys and with Omos, I was actually expecting it to be worse. We had the Usos beat the Brawling Brutes. Bianca defeated Bailey in that last woman standing match. And then Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul. And DZ, man, Logan Paul, the guy... He had brought a, a a ring, or he had a ring sent to him in Puerto Rico where he lives. He trained his ass off. Shawn Michaels had helped him, and he put a lot of time and effort into making this match look good. Nobody thought he was going to beat Roman Reigns, but this guy, he gets a lot of eyeballs, a lot of clicks on the stuff that he does, and he actually filmed, a, like, a, he had a little, like, yeah. live stream click of him doing the, you know, the jump off of the top rope through the table, which got millions and millions of views after. And so you could understand why WWE would put this guy in this position. You get a lot of eyeballs and you know what? He took it seriously. He didn't go in there and half-ass this at all. No, no, he didn't. Um, and the guy is just a bona fide athlete. I mean, you know, I, I, I could train for 17 years and never do something like that and, and never come anything close to doing anything he does. Um, you know, the, the the guy put the work in. Uh, I will say as a wrestling fan, I don't like him as a person. Um, I can't Me either. I want to boo stick, him. I want to boo him all the time. And but I, I, I respect and appreciate the effort he has put forth here. Uh, I do as a wrestling fan. Um, the show was good. The last three matches I thought were very good. Uh, it, it was a very good show. Again, the ending was predictable with Roman going over. Nobody thought Logan Paul was winning, but I thought they did a fantastic job in the match. I thought I thought it was a good, uh, I thought it was a good story the way they, they they told it throughout the match. Logan had a couple of moments where you thought for a split second, oh my goodness! But you know, uh, Bianca and Bailey I thought was tremendous. I thought the USO match was tremendous. Um, you, I, I think by far this was the best Crown Jewel that they've had so far. Uh, yeah. And it's not close. Uh, eight matches. Um, not, certainly nothing in there that was offensive. And I would say the vast majority of it was rather good. And, and some of it was really, really good. Yeah, because Andrew, I was I was thinking the Braun Omos was going to be awful. And it wasn't the five-star match. But it was as good as I could have expected with these two guys just kind of going at each other for a little bit. And then the rest of the card is is pretty solid with 
a fun way to end with Logan Paul flying around and, and getting some good buzz off of that. He, he did get hurt following that match, and we don't really know exactly how long he's going to be out. But this is a guy who he has a place on this roster, and his brothers showed up, and they were they, they were getting involved with the bloodline a little bit. I just I would love to see a heel tag team with Logan and his brother. Here's a fun question. Is this Omos's best match? Absolutely. I think yeah, so. 100%. Yeah, I don't 100%. think it's close. Um, yeah, it's not. So they brought Braun Strowman back mid-year, and he's another guy where it made absolutely no sense when they let him go. You may not like Braun Strowman, but you need, you, every roster has a purpose for a guy like a Braun Strowman. The problem with Braun is they screwed up several years ago when for five minutes he looked like a gigantic, gigantic star. The mm-hmm. first wow. time he started throwing office equipment around, like I remember the first time <laughs> he threw one of the announcers uh, chairs on wheels at somebody. It was, whoa, don't well, say that very often. Who, like, who was he Who was he in a feud with when it was at his peak where you Roman. were like, yeah, Roman, absolutely. yeah. Yes. And because he was, felt was nice about Braun in matches with Roman. He's big enough. And at that point, he was over enough to where you really felt like he could beat Roman in those matches, too. Right. Like they were he did did, did, and they were back and forth and they were good. And that was like his presence was big enough to and he had that that feel and it was good work. Like that was some of the best. Those guys brought the best out of each other. They really did. Oh, the, the stuff with the ambulance where they're like, I'm still not finished with you. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was really, stuff. really yeah. good. And I'm glad yeah. you hit that point, Andrew, because his peak, man, he was really over for uh, a minute, right? For like a yep. month or so. And then he winds up getting the title when Roman sits out of WrestleMania 2020 due to the start of the pandemic. He winds up beating Goldberg in front of no people. They hadn't figured out the whole Thunderdome thing yet with virtual fans and crowd noise and whatnot. He gets the title. I remember him going into the booth of a NASCAR race because SmackDown had been on Fox and they were doing a cross promotion thing. And he carried himself like a big deal. And then in 2021, they have him in the cage match against Shane. And that actually was not a bad match. They wind up gimmicking the cage so that somebody like he reached through and he broke the cage and it was fun. And then he was gone. And it came out that they were paying him just a gigantically absurd sum of money. And look, again, that's not Strowman's fault. WWE could have said no to that deal. They said yes. and. It never made any sense to me why they kicked him to the curb when they did. They brought him back, and yes, he's up there as an upper mid-card guy, but remember that whole thing about Triple H being disappointed in people coming back? Yeah, he might be one, right? Maybe Strowman's one of those guys because well, he, he made some comments, to- too. Right. You know, like he oh, made the comments awful recently do not about follow Braun Strowman's Twitter account. Just don't do it. He's by all indications. And please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Please, for the love of God, don't hurt me. Braun Strowman. He's not a good guy. No, no. And he he, he made a comment about smaller guys flippy flopping around. And Ricochet actually came back and, and fired back at him. And it and they had Ricochet go over clean against Braun recently in and it was a you know a, a roll up 
type win, but it, I wonder if it was a little bit of a punishment for for Braun for publicly blasting like a lot of the the roster that are guys that are smaller guys. And what was funny is that in response to Braun, because um, I think it was after Braun and Omos had had a pretty good match, and I think that's what it was about. Because guys like Will Osprey were like, "Hey, these two dudes had a big a good match." And Braun made a comment like, yeah, we don't need to be flipping around to to have a great match and sell tickets. And Osprey came out and said, why make that comment? Like, I thought you had a good match for two big men, but why why blast the little guys and not just say there are different styles of wrestling? You yeah, know? now, it's div- it, this is not the first time a big guy has made that kind of comment no. about smaller people in no, the wrestling This is how business. Vince thought for most of well, his life, right? It's, it, we're we're going to get another Kevin Nash quote here. You remember what he called the Chris Benoit's, the Dean Malenko's, the Eddie Guerrero's of the world? I, I hesitate to say this because it is not a politically correct term. He called them vanilla midgets. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Now, the, now, back then, it was a case where you pushed the big guys and the little guys hadn't broken through the glass ceiling yet. It's a different business now than it was then. That was a bad look for Strowman. And it's one of those things where, again, kids, the lesson. Don't hit send. I thought you were going to do the kind of surprising to me because we, um, when we went to the, um, the WrestleMania uh, access for the one that was at, uh, here in New York a few years back. Um, I remember people wanted him to have a, a bigger, uh, you know, a bigger spot. I think, I mm-hmm. think he was, might've been in the freaking battle Royal that year, to be honest with you. Um, the Andre the Giant uh, one. Uh, I don't. I don't remember him in a match. Uh, and I remember he had a. Um, you know, he, we we went to his VIP meet and greet. Um, we took our we took our boys, and a lot of people were you know saying things to him like, oh, you know, you you should have a bigger, uh, you know, a bigger uh, role in the WrestleMania or whatever. And he was the nicest guy to the people. Like I, he seemed like a genuinely good dude. He was posing with my 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 son and his friend and you know, flexing together and squaring up with them and stuff. And he seemed really, really cool. So I, I like, as I almost wonder if maybe he got a little too big for his britches. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah. It happens you know, he, a lot. He, he got a little bit of like that too much too soon. Our mentality. When he got know, it where, quick too, yeah. this guy wasn't yeah. a guy who toiled in NXT Really, we didn't even know him. We'd never seen him when he debuted on the main roster. It was different. He was just the big guy in the Wyatt family. Yeah. It was, it wasn't like, We've known this guy for a long time. So, yeah, Braun, <laughs> Andrew, when you, you, you were saying, like, I don't know if you remember the water boy when he's out there and, and there's the scene with him and Lawrence Taylor and, there, and all the kids. Is, he says, which brings me to my final point. Don't smoke crack. I thought that's where you were going when you said it. No, no, no. It just... <laughs> Don't hit send. Don't nothing, hit send. Nothing good happens when you hit send. It winds up going out on a platform that's controlled by the man child that runs Tesla and SpaceX, who, by the way, is now claiming election fraud after Twitter users voted for him to step down as CEO. <laughs> so we finish up the year with Survivor Series. And I will give WWE a ton of credit for this because. We have been harping for the years that we've been talking on this show when we talk about old Survivor Series shows. We have said the concept is outdated. In the late 80s, early 90s, there was a nostalgia factor to seeing some of the top stars team up together. We didn't see them all the time on our TV shows and on pay-per-views. And so seeing the big stars together was cool. Nowadays, 
it didn't matter And they would try to get this brand supremacy stuff into it Which guys and gals Lots of promos with the words Nobody talks like this Right, and these guys and gals It's like in baseball or in major sports nowadays Where you have players changing from teams so much back and forth That a lot of the rivalries aren't quite rivalries Because you have a guy who is on the Red Sox and the Yankees And the Dodgers and the Giants is back and forth And it's not like you really hate them quite as much in your belly Like you used to And this year, DZ, they finally got smart They said, you know what? It's it's Not only is that antiquated But it's kind of hard to build to those shows Because you're building with People that are on two different TV shows mm-hmm. You know you the weeks leading up You don't really have great storylines They scrapped all of that and they said we're gonna do War games matches this year uh, Gino Gino I'm, I'm gonna need you to Run that back I'm gonna need you to say that again War our- games Better <laughs> And uh, we'll get Regal back soon So he can say it, it rightfully But I just I felt so much better about the Survivor Series show, Darren, coming out of it this year. And I think War Games feels like a perfect fit for Survivor Series moving forward. Yeah. And uh, this is one of the things that Triple H is going to get credit for. That mm-hmm. he's done well. Taking an outdated, um, you know, uh, antiquated type of a brand of a show and revitalizing it. Now, if he just put it back on Thanksgiving night, it would be even better. Awesome. Or the Wednesday before or like the (laughs) Wednesday night, especially with it being on Peacock now. Right. You could do that a little bit more than if you were just trying to sell pay-per-views. Yeah. I mean, I I guess, you know, the one concern is probably, well, you know, you go up against the NFL on Thanksgiving. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, you go up against the NFL a lot when you were, you know, having Sunday night. Almost every Sunday. The yeah, only time so they really don't is the rumble, yeah. right? Like every other time is like mo- when football's going on, they're going against exactly. Them. Yeah. So uh, I, I mean, I think putting it back on Thanksgiving night would be really, really cool. I know that you know my my my, my son and his friends would definitely get together for it after we get done eating and everything. Uh, but that being said, uh, I thought this was a, a really good show. The both war games were were fantastic. Uh, the AJ Styles match against Finn Balor I thought was good. Uh, you know, Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi is probably the low point of the night. Um, even the theory match wasn't bad, but the, mm-hmm. and, and the, he and the he's lab. like repackaged now. Yep, like repackaged. This yep. is the best version of Austin Theory that we've seen now. Yep, absolutely. And uh, and the last match with the with the Sami Zayn stuff was was fantastic. The storyline, the the I thought everything about that was great. The match itself was fantastic. Whenever you put Kevin Owens into a spot like that, the way he sells the story and his facial expressions and his what he does in his mannerisms and his yelling uh, that this was a, a extremely enjoyable show. Uh, I would, I would give it a, you know, an eight out of 10, you know, four star type of a, a quality show. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Good quality, Andrew, good stories. And what's nice is that all this bloodline stuff is continuing to build. Now it feels like survivor series Built to what will happen in the Royal Rumble Because we'll probably get a Kevin Owens Versus um, Roman Reigns match there And that will start telling the story As we get to WrestleMania So just looking at this show About a month out from it now it, it, It feels good And it feels like we're heading in a good direction From this show It does Uh, Darren hit all of the points that, that I would have hit Except for one And it's one of those things that In the grand scheme of things It is not very important 
in the grand scheme of things, nobody's going to remember this in five or 10 years. It's just, it is what it is. Can we please, for the love of everything holy, call him Pete Dunn again? <laughs> I please. Agree. I There's agree. no reason to rename the guy. There was no reason for any of that nonsense. And you can tell because when Triple H came in, a lot of the gimmicky things that got the removed, artist formerly known as Pete Dunn, got removed. And it's basically Pete Dunn under a different name. Um, yep. Just call the guy Pete Dunn. And you know what? If you need to break up the brutes and you need to send Pete Dunn down to NXT for, you know, for a month, six weeks, whatever, under the Pete Dunn name to sort of rehab him and then you bring him back, fine. Call him Pete Dunn again. Please, please, please. And I hope we get that at the Rumble with Piper Nevin. No more Dewdrop. I think I think we, that'd be great if she could show back up like she was with uh, as Piper. She's good, uh, like middle of the card female to have on the roster too. And some of the names were bad, but a, a good final show in Survivor Series. There was no December pay per view this year, so where we sit right now, December the, the only pay per view that was on in December was came Mandy. by way of Mandy Rose. <laughs> Mandy Rose. So as we are talking right now on December the 20th, Mandy Rose had just been released about a a week ago from NXT. We thought that she might be coming back up to the WWE main roster at some point. And Mandy Rose went down to NXT this year. Darren, we've always had a big crush on Mandy. I mean, she's gorgeous. And she's someone who Vince had, you know, obviously handpicked as a, a, a beautiful woman that he wanted to make a main, a major part of the women's roster. And she... She just wasn't quite as good in the ring as some of the four horsewomen. But I got to say, like, I never thought she was that bad in the ring. Like, I never thought she was like some of the like the divas. You know, no. she she always had a very fine base. And now over the last year, she has improved by leaps and bounds on every level from the promos to the way she carries herself to her in ring work. And we actually found out she was making a lot of money with what was like an OnlyFans account where she would, you know, she would pr- uh, put out content, pictures and videos and people would pay her lots of lots of money for individual pictures or monthly subscriptions. There was a rumor going around right now that in the last week she's made about $500,000. Wouldn't shock me. Not I mean, at all. Because I, I I'm not a subscriber to her content, but just out of curiosity to see like, you know, what she was actually charging because I saw that. So like it looked like she was at like thirty dollars to subscribe, yeah. But then but then somebody posted that like you could subscribe and you get access to some content, but if you want other content, you have to pay more. It's like seventy so, or eighty for yeah, like the yeah, premium yeah. content, which most people do. They click, they pay the thirty. Well, I mean, well, if, you're not, little... if you're not getting that, what are you subscribing for? Right? I know, you know. But so, uh, yeah, I mean, to be making that kind of money, I mean, number one, good for her. Number two, what do you need to wrestle for? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, uh, I but it'll be, I mean, listen, but at the same time, it it's it's I'm sure it's also probably just a a bit of a um, you know a a, a re- reaction to you know what has transpired in the last you know week or so. Uh I imagine that you know after a, a certain period of time it slows down that, a little bit, that'll slow down. You know, yeah. I'm not saying she can't make good money. 
you but, know, but uh, she's I mean, got the buzz. There were made... probably a, a ton of people subscribing just to see what it was for this first month, right? Like just yeah, to see, yeah. like paying yeah, the thirty exactly. bucks or something. Like what's really been going on? So I think but, you had hit this point. This was great publicity for her over the well, last yeah. couple of weeks. But you know what it is though? It's like it's like anything else where, and, and I think this is probably what got her in trouble was that she kept kind of, you know, turning up the dial a little mm, bit in what she pushing was putting it. out there. She was pushing and it. every time she turned up the dial, she probably started making more money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, it's like anything else in life, you know, whether you're doing something legally or, or illegally, when you, when you start to make serious money doing something, you, you try to find out how far you can push the envelope, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like somebody who's like, you know, when they'll say to you, like, if somebody stole, you know, $2 million, you know, and they got away with it. Well, but they can't, no, nobody could ever stop there. Because once you get a taste of that, and you think you've figured out something where you have been able to provide yourself with a gotta, serious revenue stream, I got away with it once. See, you need to see it. Exactly. Yeah. You need to see how far you can take it. Now, it'll be interesting to see. Because like we said, I don't know how long this, you know, I'm sure she'll get a couple of really phenomenal weeks. Will she be satisfied with that when the revenue stream slows down to whatever it's going to be? Or is she going to really take things to a crazy level um, to try to, you know, make insane money? Um, You know, I I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, If she has no designs about ever going back to WWE, I'm sure if she took it to that level, she could make a small fortune. Um, you know, we'll see what she decides. But uh, th- this whole thing was rather shocking. Um, I I completely expected that that just meant that, you know, she'd probably disappear for six weeks and we'd see her show up at the Royal Rumble. Um, and it's unfortunate because she had a phenomenal year plus run. The toxic attraction thing was really good. I feel bad for, for the two girls that are with her now. They're going to have to you know, kind of reinvent themselves and continue to move forward without her is not going to be easy. Um, so it's kind of screwed up a, a several things within NXT. But uh, yeah, th- that was, I mean, Vince McMahon resigning uh, and that what, what went on there was probably the number one, uh, I would say definitely the number one most shocking thing. I would say the Mandy Rose sudden release is probably number two. Andrew, yeah. do you think she shows up? Uh, where do you, where do you see the future for Mandy? I don't know. There is a lot that we do not know. And that uh, a lot of that comes with, okay, what was the story behind her getting let go? Who complained? Who may have said something? There's rumors that there were sponsors that were involved that noticed this. And ultimately, if you wind up biting the hand that feeds you from a sponsor standpoint, you're going to have a bad time. Remember, Mattel was the party that complained when a young Daniel Bryan choked Justin Roberts by the necktie to where he got told to go away for a couple of months and nobody was entirely sure what was going to happen there. They, of course, brought him back at SummerSlam for that big, huge match against the Nexus, whatever. But this is obviously a much, much different situation than that. Now, as far as what she wants to do, I don't know. All I know is if that $500,000 number is accurate over the course of the last week, if she doesn't want to take a bump again, she, she never doesn't. has to. Yeah. He does not have to. I do have one. I do have one. Well, more than one problem with, with, with this entire situation. Um, 
I understand that there's contracts and I understand as well as anybody what a breach of contract means and, and what the result could be. However, number one, WWE has allowed people to stick around for from what my vantage point is far worse behavior, far worse, far worse behavior, because apparently you can rack up as many DWIs as you want. Uh, you keep coming back. And and uh, I, there have been like we can just say it. There have been many guys I don't and I'm sh- I don't know about on the female side that have been accused or yep. charged of yep. some sort of sexual assault, domestic yep. abuse. Even our Stone Cold Steve Austin, who we love, yeah, right. Yeah. Like no, these are guys sure. that have all gotten in trouble for doing stuff. So to act yep. like her posting the pictures, I mean, Vince McMahon is someone that they just had said thank you to on TV after he had already been accused of things. Yes. So so. Yeah, that, that that's the first thing I have a problem with. The second thing I have a problem with is you created the Mandy Rose character that is over based on her sexuality and her sex appeal. Totally sexualized character who there have even been comments that they've made to former Ember Moon, Athena, that they asked, they told her to look more like Mandy Rose. Correct. Um, they have done segments with her where she was like a seductive vixen. I remember the one where she tried to lure Jay Uso into hotel room and she stripped down to lingerie on, yep. on SmackDown. Yep. Um, and again, I understand that that is part of WWE and that's not in any breach of contract, which this was, but it is hypocritical to now be the, holier than thou wwe mattel whatever it is when you have literally been sexualizing this woman for the last five years so absolutely and now and now she has said well you have turned me into this clearly this is how you see yourselves making money off me so now you have put it in my head that the best way for me to make money off me is by doing the same thing but now you guys are too good for what I'm doing. I'm creating a monster because nobody wants to see Marshall no more, right? They got the right. they created this monster. There's Frankenstein right. for you right now. I have I have a big, big problem with that. A big problem with that. Um, one other thing before we get off of this topic, and this is me sounding the someone knew something alarm several weeks ago. So those of you who follow Up, Up, Down, Down on YouTube, that's the WWE's gaming channel on YouTube. It's run by Xavier Woods and several of his friends. They put out content several days a week, and they've got series going forward. Cheap plug for those who do not know. They did a year and a half worth of Uno with Xavier Woods, Tyler Breeze, Adam Cole, and the artist formerly known as Cesaro. If you have not seen those yet, There are 70 episodes, and they are all worth your time. Having said that, Xavier Woods did a playthrough of WWE 2K22's career mode. It's called My Rise, and the guy that he created had gone through SmackDown and done all of the storylines and objectives, so he had to go to a new show. He decided to go to Raw with this guy, and it was at that point that the episodes stopped coming. For reasons no one can adequately explain, the general manager of Monday Night Raw in WWE 2K22 story mode Mm. is one Mandy Rose. Funny. Wow. 
By I'm thinking somebody might have known something or there was something in place behind the scenes. I don't know. This is all spec, but you put two and two together at a minimum. That's an insane coincidence. It, two, it is. Yeah. By the way, the I, I left out one other thing that bothers me. This was not an issue until her content was leaked. Yep. Yep. You're that right. bothers that bothers the hell out of me because the site has been live for quite a while. Everybody knows that it's up there. It's not like it's a yeah. secret. She's got yeah. a link to it right from her profile. You can yeah. click right so, on it. But so and and that's what that... is frustrating about this too is that I will say, like this is and that's what stinks for someone like Mandy who's that that's copyrighted, like, um, yeah. content. You're yeah. not allowed to or supposed to be sharing that stuff. I know it happens all over the place, but that's what's a bummer is that. That's what ended up getting her in trouble. You're right. It's not. It was a very hypocritical stance from them because they knew she was doing this. They they actually put a lot of stuff just like this on their own TV. But then somebody came and told them, and and there was probably a little bit of pressure from, as Andrew mentioned, a sponsor or someone, and they had to cave instead of acting like you know what we knew that she was going to do this and we gave her the the freedom to do that. You know, I, I, that rubs me the wrong way. I, I agree. If, if they, if they, and, and we don't know. Okay. I, I, I mean, everything that you hear is we're speculating. It's all speculation. Yeah. It, it, but I'm just saying if they went to her a month ago, three weeks ago, six weeks ago, and they said, listen, you got to dial it back a little bit. We're getting some heat here. The content is getting to a place that it, it it's gone. It's gone across the line. Um, you, you need to dial up. You want to do stuff where you're walking around in a bikini, you know, whatever, and trying on cute outfits, you know, that that's fine. But the stuff where you're swimming around topless in a pool or, or whatever else you got going on there, you know, you got to dial that back. If they went to her and said that and she refused, that's different. And then if she gave, and then she one upped it even more. Right. right. Like she brought some her significant other in the mix yes. and there was some content so, with him. Yeah. So that's so if they yeah. if they went to her and said that and she's flat out refused, that's different. I, I don't know I don't know if they office did office or work yeah. would fire them if they asked you to do something nicely yeah. and then you didn't and that was a direct I, I but we don't did. but you're right. I'm, if that I'm was the saying, case, yeah. I yeah. then I can understand why they had her released. Then I can get it. Yeah. But you I would be surprised that that's not I mean, they never really give any information. They always say no. we've released so and so. We wish them well, but they never give any information. No. I wouldn't expect them to come out and say, you know, we did warn her and she didn't refuse. Like they don't, they just don't put out that kind of information. So I imagine we're never really going to find that out. But and if Mandy wants to go back, we're not going to find it out either, right? Like if she wants to go back there, she's not going to come out and probably tell exactly what happened. She'll probably yeah. just try to be a good soldier. There's been a lot of things. There's been a lot of things over the last 40 years that WWE and WWF has turned a blind eye to because it was in the best interest of their business and making revenue and making money. And that this was the thing that that they this, had a, yeah. that hill yeah. to die on, right? right? Yeah, I, very strange. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So for me this year, my list of like the matches that really stood out to me, um, I had Seamus Gunther. Um, Cody set all three of them The Hell in a Cell one was the most emotional But the middle one I kind of agreed with Darren Might have been the best Roman Logan, Edge Finn Balor Brawling Brutes Imperium, Roman and Drew at Clash of the Castle Roman and Brock at SummerSlam Uso Street Profits Roman Riddle, Bianca Becky 
Those were the ones uh, that I had marked. There were a couple non-pay-per-view matches that I just wanted to mention. We had RK Bro versus the Street Profits on Raw back in May. Yeah, that was, that was awesome, yeah. awesome match. We had at the very beginning of the year, Seth and Kevin Owens against the Usos. They also just had a match against them last night when we were recording. Um, the one in January was really, really good. And then Roman and Riddle had that match on SmackDown that I've mentioned a few different times. We also had an uh, Alpha Academy RK Bro and Seth, uh, it was a triple threat tag match, Alpha Academy versus RK-Bro versus KO and Seth. Those were all some of the uh, the matches that really stood out to me. And yeah, the big stories, I think we hit on most of them. Vince leaving, Stone Cold returning, Roman Reigns as the champ, Cody returning, all sorts of WWE, AEW arrivals and departures. Sasha and Naomi walk out and Sami Zayn rising up the ranks. DZ. We've had a lot of fun. We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, 2022, as we head into 2023, I'm sure you probably feel a little bit validated just in that you have always been a Roman Reigns guy. I know you a and little. your son. A, a little. little. <laughs> like, you have always been this guy, like a Roman Reigns guy. And when he was struggling to get over, you were you were always someone who was saying, it's not the guy's fault. It's really not his fault. There were very few things that yeah. he did that was that was the reason why crowds were booing him or weren't responding the way that WWE wanted. And finally, it all came together when he got to be this heel character. And I got to say, he's doing as good of work as any of the top guys I can remember at their peak, right? Has he had the body of work to maybe surpass uh, a Stone Cold or a Hogan or a Rock or a Cena? Maybe not quite yet, but he's he's not far away. And his his peak right now is, to me, as good as the peaks. He feels like a star. Somebody even mentioned the other day, like, he makes WWE right now. He's their top guy. They feel a little bit cooler because he's your top guy. It's a little different than when John Cena was there, who everybody knows Cena, but he's a cornball, you know, like, Roman Reigns is a cool, badass dude who is, like, his acting chops over the last year is what has impressed me the most. Like, we know what he can do in the ring. He's a four-star match every time out there and in a big match. But the way the little looks that he gives, the reactions to all the stuff in the bloodline with Sammy and the, man, I didn't know he had it in him. And you can see this guy going to acting classes and really taking his craft seriously. I've been so impressed with Roman Reigns. Yeah, I've always, I mean, the line I always said was let Roman be Roman, you know, mm -hmm. just stop, just, just stay out of his way. Um, the, the one thing, the one thing that I take away from it, you know, you, you mentioned you, when you start listening, number one, you're comparing him to the greatest, you know, wrestlers ever. and the greatest characters ever, mm -hmm. uh, which, which is the testament to how, how good of a job he's doing. But you're, you, when you compare him to those people, you compare him to guys like Hogan and rock and Austin, um, you know, those are guys that had runs like this, but they did it as baby faces. Mm -hmm. You know, I know Austin was a heelish character originally, and he had heelish tendencies, but he was a baby face. Um, you know, there have been factions that have had runs as heels. Obviously, NWO had a run as a heel faction that was too cool for school. Um, you know, Degeneration X was a heel faction. But when you go back through the history of, of WWE 
And you're talking now, you know, we are at about two and a half years of this run as a heel, uh, a cool heel, but a heel. Um, can you find a heel with that that has been the guy of the company no. for this long like this? No. I can't I can't think of one. No. Now, I'm not talking about a big time heel. That was a great adversary to a baby face. We're talking about the face of the company. I'm the talking guy about carrying... the, the guy carrying the company. The and... only one that I think you might be able to have some sort of argument about attitude era Vince. Yeah, I mean, you're, okay. you're right. he, and yeah. he's uh, you're right because if and but and that's and that's not even a full main roster type guy. But you're right, he is the presence of him being that heal for a few years but but yeah. i would make the argument i would make the argument that attitude era vince's peak was built as an adversary to, to stone cold sure yes. and that's to what Austin. i'm saying maybe yeah. i yeah. i think yeah. you're absolutely right this is something that we haven't seen I mean, before if, yeah. if if you're talking about recent wrestling history the only thing that might be comparable is the nwo right Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe if you want to talk about Triple H in that early to mid 2000s tier where he thought he was Harley race and it just did not work at all whatsoever. But yeah, it's this is something where we're seeing something that we don't usually see in WWE. And a lot of that is going to be due to a couple of different factors. First of all, they haven't really built anybody up. Secondly, they let Roman Reigns be a bad guy. And when they let Roman Reigns be a bad guy, what happens? He gets over. Stop over managing people, boys and girls. Sometimes simple is the key. And 2022 was a, was a good year in the year of wrestling. Honestly, it was. And it was there were some ups and there were some downs. But there's a good energy and there's a good buzz Finishing the year I mean fiscally they are doing as well As they've ever done before And in an era when a lot of people Are cutting the cord And cable is going down less uh, More and more each year WWE has some of the best ratings On TV I know people want to compare their ratings To where they were a few years ago But they're still really good in comparison People still watch this show And now overall I think with the, the booking of Triple H, things just make a little bit more sense long term. And I think that will be something that a lot of the fans maybe that have been lapsed or lost might enjoy, you know, at least returning for some of the big shows and seeing how they're booked, they're built. I have a confidence in Triple H moving forward, and I'm really excited to see uh, what he does with the Rumble. DZ, give us some final thoughts on 2022. Yeah, a really good year for WWE. Um, you know, the, the trajectory was uh, really changed dramatically uh, in the middle of the year. Um, the Roman stuff obviously has been tremendous. They did miss Cody when he had to go to the sidelines. They missed Orton. They, they have some a couple of major stars that have been on the sidelines. Uh, getting Cody back will be a very big shot in the arm for them from a babyface standpoint. Because they, as, as Andrew said, and it's been, it's been not just this year, this has been an ongoing problem that they've had for quite a while now. They have a very difficult time building up baby faces for a prolonged run. It's just not something mm -hmm. that they've done well. And Triple H, if I, and I'm not a wrestling booker, but if, if I was sitting down in the strategy meeting in WWE, my number one priority would be we need to figure out how to get a baby face over and keep him there for a long time because we have not been able to do that. Um, the one thing that I will give you as a prediction that I think will happen 
not necessarily next year, but I would say in the next 24 months, it's a distinct possibility. Uh, I think WWE will be sold. And I think uh, that maybe NBC, I think the most likely buyer will be NBC. And I think Peacock will get all of their content. uh, And I think that's where this is headed. Andrew, put a bow on 2022 for us. So a couple of things that I want to make sure we talk about. Um, The Forbidden Door was not limited to just AEW. You're right. Any discussion of things that are happening in the world of professional wrestling in 2023 needs to start on New Year's Day with the fact that WWE is letting Shinsuke Nakamura fly to Japan for one of the last matches in the career of the great Muda. If you haven't seen this story, it's batshit insane. Some of the things that had to go into this match in order for it to happen. But that's one of those things that I personally, as a fan, am very excited about. And if that's going to wind up being the procedure that WWE has to where, yeah, you're not really supposed to be working for everybody else. But there might be some Time special place. occasions mm-hmm. where we see some really cool stuff. Yeah, it's going to be pretty darn awesome. There was a, a pay-per-view earlier this year that was a, a independent pay-per-view that was quote-unquote Ric Flair's last match. Oh, where for they, God's sake. Where the undercard was sort of a compilation of different companies. I could see WWE starting to do that. Like, for example, they're letting Carl Anderson go and wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom for New Japan. He's in a match. He's scheduled. He actually is still one of the champions. He's like the never open weight champion. He had a match just recently, and he's going to be on that card. So now there will be a New Japan card on Wrestle Kingdom that have wrestlers from WWE, AEW, uh, wrestlers like Kenny Omega are booked on the show. FTR is booked on the show. Then, of course, New Japan wrestlers. So maybe that is a little bit of of something we can see, Darren, because I think with Triple H at the helm, I think it's much more likely for this to happen, not every week, every month, not necessarily a WWE versus AEW show, but in, in settings like this, where you could send one wrestler or one act over there to be on the card. Yeah, no, listen, anything like that is fantastic. It, it, it truly is. Uh, it's it, it it's something that we haven't seen in quite a while. I mean, remember Hogan used to go over there. That, by the way, there, there's some really cool matches you could go on YouTube and watch Hulk mm-hmm. Hogan wrestling in Japan. That way different style where he's like shocked the hell mm-hmm. out of you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, would not you you would watch those matches and be like, I had no idea that Hulk Hogan could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some really ones of in- China in there when she yep. went over there to face the men, um, yep. which are kind of kind of cool. Um, yeah, no, it's re- it's really great to see. It opens up possibilities for, you know, plenty of different opportunities and things that could happen. I'm not saying that we will see this expanded. You know, I'm sure it's not necessarily uh, something that uh, WWE wants to do all the time, but you open the door up and, and it opens up uh, possibilities and, and having two uh, companies like that working together uh, is always a good thing and, and can produce great opportunities moving forward. So that uh, is certainly an exciting uh, development. And by the way, bold prediction, it's unfortunate. Ric Flair's last match will not be Ric Flair's last no, match. I, I, no, I think that's safe. Nobody that's... wants to see it. Nobody wants to say it. No. But there's way too much chatter. There is. It just that. 
like the event was really good up until him coming out to the ring. Like the event was well produced. They it made I'm it so, felt like I'm so glad I didn't go to that when I was down there. Like I'm really happy I didn't go to that. It just leaves a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth when the guy like just he was trying to cut weight too. It's like Flair, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like you're it, that's a full podcast on the. Well, can on we? That. Can we? Can we also remember the fact that the guy nearly died like a few years? A year, ago? a few years ago, right? Yeah. It's not like he's in peak health right no. now, and he has nothing I mean, left to prove to no. anyone. Well, well, it's not about being left to prove. I think, I think it's money. The money. It's the money. No, you're right. It's it's definitely the the paydays that he could use here and there. Rick Flair. We'll see what we talk about in 2023 as uh, Charlotte Flair should be making a return very soon to the WWE. And as we finish up this year, fellas, another year of the old wrestling rewatch in the books. You guys helped me out uh, a couple years ago. It all started when COVID came on and there was no more sports and we were all bored. Nobody had anything to do. We were all <laughs> sitting home. You couldn't go out. Everybody was locked down. And we said, hey, let's look at some of these old wrestling shows. And we started doing it, and it caught on. And we have thousands of people that listen to our segments, which is great. I can see the time codes, too. And I know people are staying along and having fun watching with us. And I've always got great feedback. And, man, I have a couple great friends here in, uh, in you two and Andrew and Darren. And I've been very lucky that you guys have spent – like hundreds of hours over the last couple of years talking old wrestling with me. And this is what friends are for. You find the things that you all enjoy and that bring you together. And then you sit there and you nerd out for hours. So I love you guys both. I really appreciate the countless hours you've helped me out uh, through the years. And, um, you know, we'll have a, a few weeks of, uh, of the holiday time and then we'll pick back up at the beginning of next year. And we'll maybe we'll get one or two more shows in before we, uh, we do a, a big Royal rumble preview. So again, DZ, thank you, man, for everything. And I hope you and your family have a really great holiday. I know you're a big Christmas guy. I am too. I've got a bunch of corny Christmas clothes. I've been wearing, I've been going through all the different movies and shows on the, the streaming services. So you and your family, you have a great holiday, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate the same to you. Best wishes to everybody out there. Uh, for a great holiday season, um, you know, catch me out on Twitter throughout horse racing and everything sports related at, at the track seven. And also a quick plug. Um, I started a new, a new podcast, um, uh, a mutual friend of, uh, of a good friend of mine reached out a couple of months ago uh, about, about doing a, a sports podcast that uh, linked uh, both national sports stories in with some local stuff that we have going on where I live out here in Staten Island. And, we, and we've actually done uh, four episodes already. And uh, we, we have a pretty professional kind of firm behind it, cutting these. I think I saw you of, in like in the yeah, studio, one of them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Cutting, they're, they're cutting these videos and doing these shorts with these, you know, like the, 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 the cool texts and graphics and stuff come up, nothing that I could ever do. Uh, and it looks, you know, professional and, uh, and it's got some legs and we're getting some views and stuff like that. So, uh, if you uh, want to hear me rant about the Yankees and the Giants and do some racing stuff and talk about, you know, coaching CYO basketball and, you know, getting into some high school football and other things that go on here locally in Staten Island, it's 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 a pretty interesting show. It's called uh, it's called Full Court Press. Uh, the video is out on YouTube and the podcasts are at Apple Podcasts. They're at Anchor. They're at Spotify as well. So uh, check us out. Full Court Press. Give us a listen. Give us a watch. Uh, it's pretty entertaining stuff. Andrew, I got to uh, interact with DZ a lot when I was working at TVG through the years, and Darren was working over at the Meadowlands, and we would go back and forth. It was uh, a, a sad time for some when TVG purchased uh, ex, um, ex, uh, 
I guess what was it at the time? Express H- HR TV, right? H- they changed H-R-TV, it to XBTV. Yeah. 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 But for, for you and I, it was kind of cool because there were a few months where you and I got to interact with each other a little bit and, and start to work together. And it, Blossomed into a, a really great friendship, man. It's been a couple great years, and uh, I've had you on this show many times. We've talked racing a lot, we've talked wrestling a lot, and I always appreciate picking your brain, buddy. So thanks so much for all the help. You're saying a lot of really nice things, and I just hope this all holds constant for when I inevitably decide that we need to watch Heroes of Wrestling. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm feeling nostalgic. <laughs> it's the holiday season right now, so you know, and like, here I'm, comes the Grinch. And, here comes <laughs> the Grinch. and you're a foul one, <laughs> Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. <laughs> so that's that's what I got to do next. Is uh, we got the Grinch trilogy to watch, right? You got to watch all three versions of the Grinch, the three different Grinches. I've got a couple. Uh, I can't. The Jim Carrey one, I can't watch. It's no, so. so- Weird. Yeah, the old the the original cartoon one was is is awesome is is really good. And then I'll got yeah. I've got the uh, the Home Alone's one and two that I'm still waiting for right before. And then I haven't watched the new the new Christmas story with the adult Ralphie. I'm I'm intrigued. I'll try to put those on back to back, and we'll uh yeah we've been we'll, we've yeah. been watching because uh, we got the kids. We've been watching the so the original Santa the the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. The the, the TV movie. show wasn't bad. They did a TV show. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah it's no, with cool. uh, Cal Penn. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was pretty. pretty cool. It was decent. Yeah, there's. A I'm, but I'm, I'm a big I'm a big love actually in the holiday guy. I yeah, love the, those uh, are those, those are two. Yeah. Uh, I watched Christmas those two or three times for me. Well, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Chevy Chase yeah. and uh, sledding and putting the uh, the oil on the sled and winding up in front of a Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of my all time favorites that's an underrated one that doesn't get kind of talked about with the good Christmas movies is uh, is Family Man. With Nicolas Cage, it's you know I, I oh, like it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a really good one too. That um, guys, 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 we we've gone this long in the Christmas movie discussion. We have not mentioned the pinnacle of Christmas movie making. I Santa's am course, with muscle. What Die Hard? Die Hard. Die Hard. <laughs> I thought yeah. <laughs> I I watched Die Hard the other day. There and that I have like a list of a few that are Christmas e but not Christmas movies. Die Hard was on there. Uh, Catch Me If You Can ends around Christmas, so I kind of qualify that because it's such a good movie. I want an ex- another excuse just to watch that one. So, uh, yeah, we'll have some fun in the next few days leading into Christmas. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to everyone out there, and a big thank you again to DZ and AC for uh, all the, uh, the the help over the last few years. Thanks so much, folks, for hanging out with us, and we'll have another episode of the Old Wrestling Rewatch coming up very soon as we lead into the Royal Rumble for WWE. And that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks so much, folks, for hanging out with us again. A big thank you to Andrew and Darren for helping us out all throughout the year, and in particular with this episode. We'll be back again next week, and what do we have next week for you? More college bowl games. We'll start shifting some focus into the NBA pretty soon, as NFL will start shifting into the playoffs, so we have a couple more weeks of uh, NFL game previews with Eric. We'll get into Santa Anita racing, Gulfstream Park racing, Fairgrounds has some big days coming up soon, so does Oaklawn, so much happening and there will be a lot more horse racing coming up now on the, on these episodes so best of luck have a very very merry christmas and we'll be back to talk to you again before the new year